like that. You Hello and, all, and that. welcome it's to like this Monday flash. edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And ladies and gentlemen, we are finally done. I, I say finally like it's a, like it's a, oh God, it's finally over. We get stuff. We don't need to do it anymore. No, we don't need to do it anymore. But it's still, it's, it's sad, but exciting because the 2022 NFL draft is finally, finally gone and passed. Yes, it has. And man, oh man. I, I remember on Wednesday, when we did Wednesday's show, we did a whole draft preview. It was a two-and-a-half-hour-long episode. An episode that we haven't... We haven't done an episode like that in a very, very long time, okay? But when I got to Thursday, remember I talked about... I had, a, I had somewhat of a plan in place to what I wanted to do for the draft. I didn't say what we were going to do on Wednesday because I didn't know if it was actually going to come to fruition, and it didn't end up coming to fruition. So what the plan was is I was going to make a YouTube video. Okay, so I was going to sit here at my desk, I was going to have the draft on my laptop, I was going to have a camera set up to my right, and we were going to record a video of me basically going over every single pick in the draft. And whether I got a pick right or wrong, decided on if I did a forfeit. I was going to text 16 different people and get two different forfeits from them. And we were going to put them in a hat, and we were going to draw them out, and whatever the forfeit was, we had to do that before the next pick was thing. So it wasn't like I could just draw a thing from the hat and then go, oh, we'll worry about that later. Or I can worry about that the next day or the next week or however long. This is something that needed to be done during the next pick. In the intermission between picks one and two or whatever, you had to do a forfeit. The thing was, as we got closer to the draft and how little sleep I got Wednesday night going into Thursday morning, I was like, I don't think I have the energy to record a YouTube video, let alone even record a podcast. So normally when we do, we have the NFL draft, we record a podcast right after. Like literally, a second or two after the draft is done, we start recording an episode. But we didn't do that this time. Because once the draft got over this year, I went to bed. <laughs> I was out instantaneously. I, I like to say instantaneously. I laid in bed. You know, people say, and I, I'm guilty of this all the time. People say, oh, I went to bed at this time. Yeah, you went to bed? I didn't fall asleep until about a half hour to hour afterwards because I'm watching YouTube videos. And that can be a bad thing because then your brain starts working. You start thinking of things. You're not relaxing or anything. And then when you're watching a good YouTube video, you want to sit there and you're like, oh, my eyes are getting heavy. I don't want to fall asleep. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're fighting it. And then once you get past that cycle of, I don't need to fight this anymore, you're awake. And then you're just kind of stuck in that situation until your eyes start to drift away again. And that can be an hour longer past that hour that you already tried to spend watching YouTube videos or scrolling social media or doing whatever you're doing before you go to bed. No one in their life, and I am calling out every single person, goes to bed when they say, like, actually falls asleep when they say they're going to go to bed. No one does that. If you are, you're a psychopath. Every single person I am aware of watches or does some things on their phone before they go to bed or on their laptop or watches a movie or something, has a something on the TV. But man, that draft night, when I hit my bed, I was awake for about five to ten minutes, I think, I don't really remember, before I fell asleep and then went to work the next day. I was not in any space to record an episode. And even today, I'm exhausted today. This this last week has been an extremely exhausting <laughs> mentally and physically week. I'm just ready for it all. I'm, I mean, the next week's starting. We don't need to worry about mock drafts anymore. We don't need to worry about the upcoming draft. I don't need to stress out about that or anything like that. So all we got to focus on now 
is coming up with different content until, you know, football comes back, which is not too hard. I mean, we've done it thousands of times before, or thousands. We've done it hundreds of times before where we've gone without football. Like, it's nothing new. I'm going to try. Like, my dad and I were talking about this day. I'm going to try and watch the USFL. I'm going to try. But my dad asked me about it. He was like, Logan, have you watched any of the USFL? Or are you going to watch any of the USFL? I said, I'm going to try. I don't know. I really don't know because I'm getting bored of this now. <laughs> I did. I sat down one night and watched the Houston Gamblers take on the oh, crap. They're a red and gold team. The Birmingham Stallions. I think that might be the team that they played. And it was kind of fun, but it kind of was like, okay, this is not a really good brand of football. It's football. So people are going to watch it, but it's not really enjoyable. You're like, oh, I appreciate these players getting an opportunity that they never had before, but man, yeah. So we might do a little bit of the USFL. We're going to start paying attention a little bit more to the MLS because I've been really bad at doing that this year. I've been focusing a lot on the draft this year. was one of those drafts where it was one of the most unpredictable years of all time. That's what everybody was saying going into the draft. No one knows what's happening. And the first pick of the draft was the first time in God knows how many years where we didn't really know what the first pick in the draft was going to be. We had a general idea of what it was going to be, but no one really had a nailed on idea. Like last year, we knew Trevor Lawrence was going number one. The year before that, we knew Joe Burrow was going number one. The year before that, it was more than likely going to be Kyler Murray. The year before that, Okay, we had a little bit of a mix-up around the year before that with Baker Mayfield going one, but the year before that was Miles Garrett. year before that was Jared Goff. year before that was Jameis Winston. Like, we had this run of players, and I think the year before that was Jadavian Clowney, and then Andrew Luck, and then Cam Newton, and then Sam Bradford. So, like, we had all these quarter of these players go where we knew, without a shadow of a doubt, who the number one, quarter, number one player in the draft was. This year, it was a choice between what most people considered the best player in the draft, Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher from Michigan, or an athletic freak edge rusher defensive line hybrid in Trayvon Walker. And it ended up being Trayvon Walker as the number one overall pick. And we, to be fair to me, like I, this draft was really hard to predict and I struggled a lot with it. But you know what? I don't really care because we have predicted Trayvon Walker going first overall in the last three mock drafts we've done. So I'm going to sit here and feel pretty good about myself that we have had this ever since... I believe they re- they tagged Cam Robinson before they signed into that contract extension. Yeah, we had him going number one overall. We had Evan Neal in the first two mock drafts, I believe. Looking back at mock draft 1.0. Yeah, we had Evan Neal in the first two. And then 3.0, 4.0, and 5.0, we had Trayvon Walker. So we were pretty, I was at least somewhat confident that it was Trayvon Walker. Even though I heard a lot of different people say it was going to be Aiden Hutchinson, Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper. My dad was listening to some podcasts, and they said Aiden Hutchinson would go number one. It was like, yeah, he might. But when you look at Trent Baalke's history and what he likes in athletic traits and things like that, if Trayvon Walker tested as a wide receiver, even if as big as he is right now, he would have been one of the top graded athletically wide receivers in this draft. And the dude's six foot five, 275 pounds. He was once 290 pounds, and he slimmed down to 275 to play more DN. And people want to talk about the lack of production being a big area of concern for Trayvon Walker. We've, been, we've defended Trayvon Walker before. I don't really think Trayvon Walker or any of these Georgia fen- defenders need defending. I mean, Georgia had 15 players get drafted this year, a new NFL record. 
I think breaking the LSU Tigers team for 2020 when they had 14 players either signed or drafted in the NFL. But Trayvon Walker's lack of production is not because of his skill set or that he's not really that good of a player. Trayvon Walker's lack of production comes from Georgia's defensive system where they don't, they don't ask Trayvon Walker to be specifically a pass rusher or specifically be this. They say, hey, just do what you do. Do anything. He's basically a free player. He's not going to go after the quarterback all the time. He's not going to go after the run all the time. He's going to do whatever's best or whatever Kirby Smart tells him to do. And you know what? It got him to the number one overall pick in the draft, so I think it worked out pretty nicely for him. Georgia's defense was a very cohesive unit, and they had a bunch of people get drafted this year just in the first round alone. They had five defenders get drafted in the first round. Trayvon Walker going number one overall. Then we had Jordan Davis going 13th. We had Quay Walker going 22nd. Devontae Wyatt 28th. And then we had Lewis Seen going 32nd. Five defenders. That defense, regardless of what you, if you're a fan of Georgia or if you're a fan of whatever team, you have to bear witness that that is the greatest college defense of all time. Whatever you want to say about it, if you like Georgia or not, or if you're still living in the past about the Miami Hurricanes defenses, like if you look at NFL players, yeah, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, players like that, greatness. Ed Reed, in my opinion, is the greatest defensive back in my lifetime. I've stood on that hill for a very, very long time. That dude was, did everything for the Baltimore Ravens. The only player that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady were ever scared of was Ed Reed. That's greatness right there. But that Georgia defense, what we saw last year, was dominance. Georgia's offense was nothing spectacular. Like, Stetson Bennett is a fine quarterback. He's nothing great. JT Daniels is not a great quarterback either. They had a platoon system at running back. George Pickens was hurt. They had a decent offensive line, but their, de- their offensive line, sorry, but that defense, good Lord. We didn't even mention the likes of Darion Kendrick, N'Kobe Dean, who fell all the way to the third round, Channing Tindall. Like, these players were elite players. Three players from the Georgia defensive line. Clemson had that in 2019. We had Cleveland Farrell, we had Dexter Lawrence, and Christian Wilkins all get drafted in the first round. This Georgia defense, like... That draft in 2019, when Cleveland Furrow went fourth overall, that was a huge shocker. No one was really surprised when Trayvon Walker went first overall. And as the draft got, grew closer and closer, people stopped getting all freaked out that Trayvon Walker was going to be the first overall pick in the draft. Because before it was like, oh, look at his production. He only had six sacks. He had eight less sacks than Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, so Aiden Hutchinson was asked to be a power pass rusher. He single-handedly destroyed Nicholas Petit-Ferrer's draft stock in that game against Ohio State. Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, the week before that, was talked about as a top tw- possible top 20, at least first-round draft pick. I don't know where he went in the draft. But he did not go <laughs> where he was projected before that Michigan game. Thayer Munford, same thing, destroyed. Like that, that whole game was terrible for Ohio State. And Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo dominated that game dominated. And that was like Aiden Hutchinson's quote-unquote Heisman moment. And then the game against Iowa. Remember what we talked about before the Iowa game? The Iowa-Michigan game and the Big Ten Championship game? Everybody in their mom knew Iowa was going to get their asses handed to them that day. Everybody knew that. There was not one... There, there could have been maybe one, because every fan base has some delusional fans. And Iowa sure as hell has a lot of them. But there cannot be more than one fan that thought Iowa actually had a realistic chance of beating Michigan that day. 
the way Iowa's offense works and how stupid and idiotic some of their play calls are, Michigan was going to run rampant against the Iowa Hawkeyes, especially when Iowa had the ball. Iowa's defense could keep up. I mean, they led the nation in interceptions. So they could keep up. Michigan's offense is nothing too spectacular. They had Hassan Haskins at running back, who was very good. But they were nothing like ridiculously special on the offensive side of the ball. But their defense was awesome. And with Iowa running five-step drops with a terrible offensive line uh, and Michigan having the best pass-rushing duo in all of college football, it kind of goes, why the hell are you not doing this? We said before the game started, when we were previewing the game, Iowa can only do three-step drops, if that. Everything quick. Starting shotgun, once hit, one hitch, throw, or run the ball. Because if you do five-step drops, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo are going to break through, and if they don't break through, Peter's going to overthrow, and Daxton Hill is the best free safety in college football, will go, is going to pick the ball off. Like, everything we said Iowa cannot do against Michigan, Iowa went out there and did. I think Iowa had one offensive touchdown in the last four games of the season or something like that. It was some crazy number. I don't have the number in front of me or anything. I think that was what it was. It was some ridiculous stat. Like, Iowa's offense, the only time they got anything going is when Iowa's defense picked off the ball and returned it 30 yards and got all the way to the 20-yard line. It's the only time Iowa's offense was capable of doing anything. You ask them to put together a long drive, they're going to fall apart. (laughs) They can't sustain anything. They had two good players, really. One really good player in Tyler Lindenbaum, who did end up getting drafted in the first round, so congratulations to Tyler. Awesome pick right there for Baltimore. But Iowa had, I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't belittle the entire Iowa offense. The O-line stunk, and their quarterback stinks. They have good pieces on offense. I shouldn't say that. Like, Tyler Goodson's really good. Arlen Bruce played really well last year. Charlie Jones is a very fun receiver. So, like, Sam Laporte is a really good tight end. Should be one of the top tight ends taken next year. It's not like it's a scrub offense, but their quarterback, their O-line, and their play caller are all helpless. <laughs> and against Michigan, that was found out. And against Ohio State and Michigan, or against Ohio State and Iowa, Aiden Hutchinson feasted. So that was why there was a realistic shot that he would win the Heisman Trophy until Bryce Young broke the record for passing yards in the SEC Championship game. And I was like, okay, um, he's winning the Heisman. <laughs> At least I think that's what I think. If I remember right, he broke the record for a passing yards in a SEC Championship game. He broke Mac Jones's record, I believe. So that was like, okay, yeah, he's winning it. And rightfully so. Bryce Young is a dominant quarterback and will be one of the top picks next year. We'll get to the 2023 NFL draft class here towards the latter stage of the show today. But man, between Walker and Hutchinson, whoever went one, the next one was going to go off the board at two. It wasn't like it was going to take very long before the next one fell off. Like they were, they were the top two edge rushers in the draft class. Walker with his athleticism and just ceiling and Aiden Hutchinson with the production. Two dominant players that were going to go number one and two in the draft. And Walker will fit nicely with what Jacksonville does. I'm really excited to see what he does there. There was talks of them getting Iki Aquanu from NC State because Doug Peterson, when he won the Super Bowl in Philadelphia, they built the team around a very strong offensive line. They drafted Lane Johnson like fourth overall a few years ago, or a while ago, I shouldn't say a few years ago, and he was their bookend right tackle. Aquanu could have been something like that. But then right before the draft... Where I talked about them extending camera or franchise tagging him, then they signed him a three-year extension, like a day or two before the NFL draft. So for those people who thought the tackle was going to be an option, kind of should have just 
thrown that out the window. It wasn't really an option there. Once they tagged Robinson, it was out the window. And then once they signed him to an extension, it was like, okay, yeah, it's done. It's really done. It's between Walker and Hutchinson. Between Walker and Hutchinson. It ended up being Walker. And I'm perfectly fine with that. And I think everybody out there should be fine too. The Lions take Hutchinson second. Again, nothing really too surprising. Nothing too surprising. So <laughs> the number one and two picks in the draft, fine. And then the third pick in the draft, much like last year, was the mystery pick in the draft. Because last year's draft, we knew the 49ers were going to draft a quarterback. We just didn't know which one it was. Reports were saying Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, John Lynch, and everybody else in the 49ers organization. Again, this is recording reports. I'm not just saying that because it's funnier to say. Wanted Trey Lance. Trey Lance, a lot more athletically gifted than Mac Jones. Ceiling is a whole hell of a lot higher. We've stated this numerous times if Trey Lance develops properly. He could easily be the best quarterback in that draft class if he develops properly. And he's in a system right now with a good offensive line, bookend left tackle, and Trent Williams, one of the best of all time. Good weapons on the outside. We'll see if Debo ends up staying there. Good, solid running game and a good offensive-minded head coach. So everything is set up for Trey Lance to succeed at the next level, and he's going to get a chance to start this upcoming season. So I went with Mac Jones because that's what people were saying. Everyone's like, it's leaning towards Mac, Mac Jones. It's leaning towards Mac Jones. Chris Sims, who's friends with Kyle Shanahan, said it's going to be Mac Jones. So I was like, okay, it'll be Mac Jones. I think they should take Trey Lance, but okay, it looks like it'll be Mac Jones. That was a similar situation to what happened in this year's draft. I remember waking up Thursday morning because I was stuck between two people for the Texans. It was either Ikki Aquanu from NC State, again, the guy we brought up earlier, and Derek Stingley, the corner from LSU. We ended up going with Stingley. But, but when I woke up, and even Thursday, Wednesday night, Daniel Jeremiah did his mock draft live thing, and Daniel Jeremiah has always been one of the most well-connected people in the mock draft or draft analysis area, arena, whatever you want to call it. Mike Mayock before that. So it's like, okay, whatever they say, it might be accurate. So that's why I went. another reason why I went Mac Jones. Peter Schrager from the NFL Network, another very well-connected person. Put Iki Aquanu. Mel Kuyper, who's made the draft what it is, essentially. Put Iki Aquanu. So it's like, okay, it's leaning Iki Aquanu. But everything I saw, every time I looked it up, I had two mock drafts done. Two of them done. And both of them, one of them had Aquanu, one of them had Stingley. And I ended up going with Stingley. I ended up going with Stingley. That was just a shot in the dark. I was 50-50 on both of them. And I flipped a coin base. I didn't, but essentially flipped a coin and ended up on Stingley. I think Stingley, for what he was as a freshman in college, put forth one of the best freshman seasons in college football history in regards to the cornerback position. And if he could have con gone out in that year, he would have been the first cornerback off the board. Which is crazy to say because Jeff Akuda went third overall. Derek Stingley went third overall this year. If Derek Stingley went back in 2019 when he was clearly the best cornerback in college football, he would have easily gone third, maybe even gone second. Like That dude was dominant. Joe Burrow was going number one, but second or third, that was Derek Stingley area. But he was a freshman, so he couldn't come out. But then the past two years with Derek Stingley, he battled injuries. People were worried about his commitment. People looked at him and said, he doesn't look like he cares. He looks disinterested. So people were kind of concerned about that. But if you can get out of Derek Stingley what he has shown early in his LSU career, you're getting a generational talent at corner. If he can develop into that or find that form again, for a team that has little to no people in the secondary, that would be insane. That would be amazing for the Texans. 
in a division with mobile quarterbacks, some good quarterbacks, you're going to need people in the secondary. Edge rusher was an option, yes, but they need corners. They need people in the secondary. When we talked about the top four people, the big four on every single NFL team, their secondary is dead. They lost Justin Reed to Kansas City, so safety. They brought no one in, really. So they needed help there. So maybe to some people, Derek Stingley was a little bit of a reach going at number three. But if you look at what he was and what he could potentially be and coming off a serious injury, I think it was Liz Frank injury, and what he did at his pro day, you go, wow, he's moving very, very well for coming off a serious injury. This dude looks ready. And again, if he's ready, that dude's a generational talent. And then also with that, that is where (laughs) the draft took somewhat, and I, I say a turn, it didn't really take a turn. I think it was very predictable, the rest of the picks in the top 10. I think it was very easy to predict where the rest of the top 10 goes. It was one or two people for every single pick in the top 10. But reports said, and this is what, okay, before we get into that, this is a segment that we've done in the past. I usually make a blog post for this, and I might come out with that in a little bit. It won't be when the show comes out, so don't go on the LoganBlattmanShow.com and check it out for a possible why I'm an idiot thing. But we do this every year where I basically just lambast myself and just go, wow, why I'm an idiot, 2022 NFL Draft Edition. We did it for 2020. We didn't title it in 2021, but, you know, we should have. I don't know why I didn't. But why I'm an idiot is a very fun way to look at this. In the fourth overall picks where it started, we started off three for three. And if I went four for four, I think I could have gotten five, six, seven, maybe eight. 9 and 10 because I thought about every single player at those positions every player that got drafted in those positions I thought about so with the fourth overall pick it was Sauce Gardner very easy pick very very easy pick the te- this, this New York Jets terrible secondary we've talked about this numerous times the New York Jets had one interception their first inter- they had well not one interception but they had their first interception didn't come until midway through the season against the Bengals. And that was by Shaq Lawson, who's a D-end. Their first interception in the secondary didn't come until they played the Bills two weeks later. And that was the Mike White game, where the Bills ended Mike White's hopes of being the, the top, next Tom Brady, where a top overall draft pick gets hurt, Mike White comes in, this little unheralded quarterback, and takes the starting job away. That died pretty quick, and the Bills made sure of that. But... Yeah, they needed secondary help. And then you look at the division. You look at the Bills with Stephon Diggs there. Gabe Davis, who just his last game, had four touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs. Dawson Knox was one of the top receiving tight ends last year. I think he led the league in touchdowns for tight ends. I could be wrong about that. Then you look at the Dolphins. They had Jalen Waddell there, who set a rookie record or close to a rookie record in receptions. And then you have Mike Gusecki there, and they just brought in Tyreek Hill. The Patriots, they brought in Devontae Parker. If he can stay healthy, he's a very nice wide receiver. They have two very nice tight ends in John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. Kendrick Bourne's there. Nelson Aguilar, decent wide receivers. So you look at these wide receivers in this division, you go, wow, for a secondary that sucks major ass, we need to upgrade it. But that's the logical thing. So everybody was like, it's going to be between two people, essentially, maybe three. Aquanu and Gardner. And the logic for Gardner is what we just stated. The Jets need corner help. Robert Sala, defensive-minded head coach, wants to improve his defense. He's talked about it numerous times. 
that to get Zach Wilson more help is not necessarily looking at only things on the offense, but improving the defense because they're getting beat by 30, 40 points a week. It's hard for an offense to keep up when their defense keeps letting people score at will. Especially when you have an extremely young offense and what the Jets have. Like Wilson was a rookie. Michael Carter was a rookie. Elijah Vera Tucker, rookie. Makai Becton, second-year player, didn't even really play. Or third-year player, didn't really play. Elijah Moore, rookie. Corey Davis, his first time really being a number one option on a team. Very young team, new offensive coordinator. Like, it, that Jets offense was going to be a work in progress, and with their defense being as bad as it was, made it almost impossible for the Jets to get any momentum on the offensive side of the ball. So corner made all the sense in the world. Logically, everything was pointing to the corner. Robert Sala worked with Richard Sherman in San Francisco. Ahmad Gardner, very long, lengthy corner. Six foot three, 200 pounds. Similar size-ish to Richard Sherman. But every single report I saw, though my head said go with Gardner, because that's what the Jets desperately need, Joe Douglas is a former offensive lineman. Joe Douglas has never drafted a defensive player in the first two rounds of the NFL draft before as a GM of the New York Jets. Joe Douglas, and this was reports dating back to the Combine, that the Jets loved Ikiakuanu, the tackle from NC State. This is the third time we brought him up with him actually not coming off the board. Because people love this dude. And the Jets, though their offensive line is not anything atrocious after bringing in Lakin Tomlinson in free agency... There were a lot, and I mean a lot of reports, dating back to when the offseason first started, that they were quote-unquote done with Mekhi Becton, or fed up with Mekhi Becton because he kept getting hurt. He can't stay healthy. He didn't show up to voluntary workouts. So everything was like, okay, Mekhi Becton's not coming back. It sounds like they're moving George Fant to left tackle. There's going to be an opening on the offensive line. They're going to trade Becton, and they're going to draft a lineman because that's what Joe Douglas wants. Joe Douglas wants an offensive lineman. That's what he is. That's what he wants. But they went with a logical pick, and they're going to keep Becton, at least for, for now. They're going to keep Becton for now. And if they trade him now, it looked really stupid because they don't have any replacements there. <laughs> so be a little bit odd to do that now. But they went with Gardner, and I should have – I mean, that was the logical pick. So I went with that. That ended up being the pick. Number five, the New York Jets taking our New York Giants. I ended up taking Charles Cross. Reports were that the Giants really liked Charles Cross. Joe Shane, everybody loved Charles Cross. This is reports dating back to the Combine. This wasn't something that just popped up recently. This has been a very long-standing, quote-unquote, love affair, or reported love affair, between Charles Cross and the New York Giants. They loved his pass protection. They loved his athleticism. But the thing that ended up getting him not going to New York or New Jersey, was the fact they are going to keep Andrew Thomas at left tackle. And we knew this. I had a mock draft with Evan Neal going here at number five. And Evan Neal didn't go number five. He went number seven. But I want to talk about Evan Neal first because we're talking about a tackle. Evan Neal has played more right tackle than any of the top three tackles in this draft, by far. Evan Neal played right tackle at Alabama when they won the national championship with Matt Jones because Alex Leatherwood was playing left tackle. So he has played basically a full season at right tackle. This was his first really season at left tackle. The dude is experienced at left tackle or right tackle. Charles Cross has played, I think, one snap at right tackle and Aquanu, something similar to that. So when you look at what the Giants were needing, the logic said go with Evan Neal because they need a right tackle. <laughs> and Charles Cross is not a right tackle. 
But there was talks about, again, his potential, his athleticism, his pass-blocking prowess, which is what the Giants need, is their worst part of their offense, their, their pass-blocking. But the thing that I'm assuming also kind of hurt Cross, I don't want to say that because he still went top 10, is that Evan Neal's a better run blocker. Evan Neal played at Alabama. Alabama is very run-oriented. You look at what Brian Robinson did last year, especially against Cincinnati. Running behind Evan Neal is a big reason for why he had the success he did. So the Giants' best offensive player being Saquon Barkley, a running back, getting a lineman that's more proficient in the run game makes a whole hell of a lot more sense than a lineman that was on a team that finished dead last in rush attempts, rushing yards, and yards per carry last year in college football. But the talks were there; his athleticism was going to lead over that. There was also some medical concerns about Evan Neal, though he only missed one game throughout his college football career. In 40-something games, he missed one game, and that was because of COVID. It wasn't due to injury. But there were some sort of reports about his injuries. So that was another reason why we had him going sixth. So we had him going to the Panthers. But all in all, at number five, it went Kayvon Thibodeau. I had him going seven or thought about him going seven. But then I also had Jermaine Johnson going seven. We'll get to Jermaine Johnson a little bit. That that thing is weird to me. But Kayvon Thibodeau, he went to the Giants facility, and reports were saying that the, he rubbed some of the coaches the wrong way or some of the – the front office staff the wrong way. You can take that however you want. If you want to use a weird way to look at that or the normal way to look at it, that's on you. <laughs> but they didn't like his Some people didn't like his attitude. That's been a widely reported thing all offseason. That Kayvon Thibodeau, quote-unquote, has an attitude problem. So when they drafted him, was it surprising? Kind of. Because of the fact there was reported stuff about, oh, they don't like him. Oh, they don't like his attitude. They don't like this. They don't like that. His work ethic. Whatever. And they drafted him fifth overall. And the other thing that was kind of surprising about that, not only was it Kayvon Thibodeau at five, is that it wasn't alignment. And what I say about that, when you know the Panthers are taking alignment at six, why would you not just take the best lineman available? So you have your choice of linemen. So if you wanted a Quanu or even Evan Neal, why would you risk it by taking one later? Because the chance of Thibodeau going sixth when the Panthers desperately need an off-the-line help wasn't really there. I mean, it'll work. it all worked out because I'm assuming they really liked uh, Evan Neal because of the fact he can play right tackle or has played a lot of right tackle. But that's, that was kind of, that was the only real surprise, I guess, to me is that it went edge rusher, then tackle. I thought it would go edge rusher, tackle, and then defender, whichever one was the top of their board. But then here's some other things. I remember earlier in the week, the New York Giants, I think it was Brian Dable talking about the Giants were going to draft the best player available. And with Gardner gone, with the top two edge rushers gone, the next best player on the board really for a lot of people I would imagine was Thibodeau. Not on mine, but to a lot of people it was Thibodeau. So that's where it can make sense. He was ranked higher, so they went with the highest player available. That's what Ozzie Newsom did, and Ozzie Newsom not only was a Hall of Fame tight end, he was a Hall of Fame GM as well. Take the best player on your board. And apparently, well, apparently, obviously, it was Gavon Thibodeau, and then they got Evan Neal at seven, so it all worked out for the Giants. Great stuff in the first round. Panthers at six, best offensive tackle in the draft. They had their opportunity to take the best tackle, they took him. We haven't taken Evan Neal because I thought the Jets' reports said they weren't going to pass on Nikki Aquanu if he was there. They did, because they went with more of a big, they went with a bigger need, regard, other than what Joe Douglas has done historically as the GM of the Jets. And Aquanu, Charlotte native, Played at NC State. Panthers need a tackle. Made all the sense in the world. There's not really a lot to talk about here. <laughs> they needed a tackle. They weren't taking a quarterback here. We got off that bridge during this part of the draft. 
I would have liked to that was quarterback an option. Oh, hell yeah. But the Panthers, they got a steal and a half late in the draft because all the quarterbacks started falling like crazy and got Matt Corral in the third round. So a quarterback they were talking about possibly taking sixth. I didn't think they would take Corral at six, but it was something that got brought up a couple times. They got in the third round. So you get the number one tackle in the draft because the Giants went edge rusher first. And then you get Matt Corral in the third round, who is good enough to challenge for the starting job. I don't know how ready he'll be, but he is good enough talent-wise to challenge or push Sam Darnold for that starting job. So that'll be very intriguing if they don't bring in Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield, which I don't think they thought they could get Matt Corral. But now that they got Matt Corral, I don't really know if that Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo trade will happen. We'll see. I'm not ruling it out. I'm not saying it will never happen. But drafting a guy with the skill level of Matt Corral, it would make a little sense to to see what he's got. Okay? That's what I would do. That's just what I'm thinking here. But yeah, then seven, we had Ahmad Gardner because I thought, looking at the corners, I was going to have Stingley going here. If the Texans, so the other mod draft, I had Aquano going third, Gardner or Gardner four, and then Stingley seven. So I was going to get this wrong regardless. And even then, because of the reports of Kayvon Thibodeau reportedly rubbing the Giants the wrong way, I had Jermaine Johnson here. But again, we'll talk about Johnson in a little bit. But Gardner... Talk about James Bradbury getting traded. Gardner's the best corner in the draft. Lengthwise, crazy. The Bills, Joe Shane, Brian Dable came from an organization that built itself off an elite secondary with Trey White, uh, Jordan Poyer, and Micah Hyde. And we'll get to the Bills pick in a little bit because an elite secondary just got better. But yeah, Gardner didn't come off. He went a little sooner than that. And the Jets, there are reports that the Jets and Giants loved Gardner. So he was going to go to the Jets or Giants. There are reports that said Aquanu wouldn't fall past the Jets. So Gardner inevitably went to the New York Giants at seven. Just how it worked out. But Gardner doesn't get beat deep. He's got extreme length. And the Jets fills a massive need. Jet went tackle here. Number eight, the Falcons, they went Drake London. Makes sense. The reports going all week to run the draft was that Drake London, they love Drake London. They love Drake London. We went with Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher. They had fin- They finished last in the league in sacks. They had 18, 11 behind the next worst team in the league. Dante Fowler left the team. They cut him in March. <laughs> he had four and a half sacks. So <laughs> you got to, yeah, you should probably look at edge rusher, but they addressed that later. They got they got some good edge rushers later in the draft. They got Arnold Ebiketti. I believe they got D'Angelo Malone as well from Western Kentucky. We'll, look at, we'll talk about the whole draft in a little bit. We're just going over the first round here. We'll go over the top 10 as a whole, and then we'll look at, you know, later because once we got to 11 then a shit ton of trades stop start happening so it kind of the mock draft kind of gets thrown away at that point because trades throw everything out the window and I didn't predict trades in this mock draft because 90% of the time that could screw up an entire mock draft because you don't know if teams are actually going to trade or not like last year we didn't see a trade until pick 11 or pick 10 I guess and I forced three trades in the top or no two trades in the top 10 Chargers and the Patriots trading up. Didn't happen. If I kept the board the way it should have been, I would have been more accurate and would have gotten 17 picks right instead of getting 11, which is what we ended up getting. But Jermaine Johnson uh, fell a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. I don't know what the reason was. I don't know if it was some attitude issues or something or people didn't like his character or something or what. I really don't know. He fell all the way to 26th to the New York Jets, who the Jets were talking about taking him at fourth overall. And he fell all the way to 26. So the fact the Jets got Jermaine Johnson at 26 is ridiculous. The Jets, 
in my opinion, either had the best or one of the best drafts all time. Like, all time. Of this draft, I should say. Like, you get three first, four first round players. Three top ten players. In the first four picks of your draft. You traded up and kept your early second round pick and got Brees Hall. Robert Sala loves to wants to establish a rushing attack. They came for the 49ers. They ran the ball a lot. And Brees Hall is the best running back in the class. And he's going to shrink Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson's not a small quarterback. I kind of that kind of bothered me last year when people kept talking about how short and small Zach Wilson. He's not a small quarterback, but Brees Hall is just really big. Six foot one, 220, 230 pounds. He's a big dude. But getting Jermaine Johnson 26. We'll talk about their 10th pick in a little bit. And getting Sauce Gardner. And number four, insane. And the Falcons getting Drake London, big-bodied wide receiver. Arthur Smith came from Atlanta or came from Tennessee, worked with AJ Brown, is now a part of the Philadelphia Eagles organization. Big-bodied wideouts. It's what Arthur Smith loves best. Drake London compared to Mike Evans. Mike, they played Mike Evans twice a year and got burnt by him numerous times. Regardless who the quarterback was, Mike Evans was always cooking. So that makes sense. And there are reports going into the draft that Drake London would be the first wide receiver taken. Which we had that. But just not to the Falcons, because people were talking about Peter Schrager, namely, was saying that he thought the Falcons would go edge rusher. All the chatter from the Falcons that they were going to go edge rusher. That's what it looked like. They went with London, which was a reported thing that they loved Drake London and liked Matt Crowell. They didn't end up drafting Matt Crowell. They got Desmond Ritter instead in the third round. Great fit for what they do. Desmond Ritter, really nice quarterback from Cincinnati. Learned from under Marcus Mariota. Compares very much to Marcus Mariota. And will work well in Tennessee's offense, beginning that he's a bigger mobile quarterback with a strong arm. Needs to find up some things in the pass game, but the dude can play football. Very mature quarterback. Could play a lot sooner than expected, but I like that pick for the Falcons. But yeah, they needed some help in the edge rusher. They got those needs addressed later in the draft. So it all worked out in the end, getting number one wide receiver on their board and two really good edge rushers. If I remember if I if I remember they got those edge rushers, it worked out well for the Falcons. Number nine, the Seahawks, we had Thibodeau, they went Charles Cross. Thibodeau wasn't available, and Charles Cross, best off to tackle on the board. Dwayne Brown, 30-something years old, free agent still, so they needed some tack- They needed help at tackle. And they ended up getting Abraham Lucas as well, a tackle from Washington State later in the draft as well. So they got a right tackle and a left tackle in this draft. For a team that has very much neglected the offensive line in recent years, <laughs> the, the fact they drafted two starting caliber tackles in this draft is very nice. Charles Cross, as we talked about, great pass protector. They don't have Russell Wilson there. Russell Wilson would um, cover up, I guess you could say, the glaring holes on the offensive line for the Seattle Seahawks. Glaring holes. It wasn't like these were tiny little holes that, oh, it's not that bad. No, it was bad. Really bad. So, with Russell Wilson gone, and the two quarterbacks on the roster being Geno Smith and Drew Locke, who are not the most mobile quarterbacks, I'm not saying they're immobile, but they're not Russell Wilson, they're going to need to help them on the offensive line. Need some sort of help there. Now, the Seahawks did in their second pick surprise the hell out of me. They went with Kenneth Walker, which I didn't really think they needed a running back. They have Chris Carson and Rashad Penny there. So I was kind of was kind of thrown off by that, the fact they went running back in the second round. But Kenneth Walker's a good running back, so I don't want to take anything away from Kenneth Walker, the player. But the Seahawks in that fit, they're going to platoon the running backs? I mean, you got a 1,000-yard rusher in Chris Carson, though he can't stay healthy. Rashad Penny's a good third down back, and then second early second-round pick on Kenneth Walker when you could have done something with the edge run. I don't know. This, <coughs> this draft was weird, so I don't want to say this was like 
<laughs> anything was predictable or anything made sense because we'll get to the Patriots in a little bit. We'll talk about strange picks, precursor what's going on here later. But Thibodeau, I mean, the Oregon Seahawks connection, the Nike Seahawks connection, I mean, they had the crazy. When Nike bought the rights to the NFL for uniforms, they went crazy. Nike and the Seattle Seahawks have that connection. Oregon, you know, is where Nike's headquarters is. Thibodeau played for Oregon. Pete Carroll looks past character issues a lot for the reported character issues that were there for Thibodeau. It made a lot of sense. Seahawks need help in the edge rushers. They have two edge rushers on their team right now, LJ Collier and Shelby uh, Shelby Harris. So they need some help there. But uh, I'll look at the rest of their draft later. I haven't looked at it all. But getting Charles Cross at nine with him falling past the Panthers and the Giants, that was a really good get for them, especially with Thibodeau off the board already. And then 10, we had Drake London going here. We knew they were going to take a wide receiver at 10. I had in a mock draft uh, Garrett Wilson going here. Because Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner, when you look at what the Jets do, what their organization, what Robert Saul is trying to implement in this team, is that all gas, no breaks mentality. Where we're just going to work, we're going to work, we're going to work, we're going to work, we're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to do all this stuff. In the top 10, the two players that emphasize that all gas, no breaks mentality are arguably Ahmad Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. That's the two perfect players for the New York Jets. The only reason we went with Drake London here is because it was reported that London would be the first wide receiver off the board. So we were like, okay, we'll put him at 10. And I should have just, you know, used my brain. But my brain was running a 1,000 miles an hour. And I'll tell you why. Because there were so many players that were getting linked to, purportedly getting linked to guaranteed top 10 picks. So it was kind of weird where it was like, okay, I know the Jets are going to draft a wide out at 10. Or they're gonna the pick's gonna belong to San Francisco, which it didn't end up it didn't end up doing. So that was an option. They were gonna take a wide receiver, regardless. The ten was gonna be a wide receiver, but then there was talks about Jermaine Johnson is a lock to go top ten and could go as high as four to the Jets. So in a real in a normal reality, we wouldn't have Jermaine Johnson in the top ten. We've had Drake London go to the Atlanta, and we'd had Garrett Wilson going ten. But with that report coming out of Jermaine Johnson going guaranteed or locked to go top 10, that threw everything off. Absolutely everything off. Because if we did that, you're looking at a top 10 where you got two more picks exactly right. And that would look really, really good on me. So out of the entire top 10, we got three picks right. The first three. <laughs> that everything else down the share. Like, and we did this little thing at the end of each pick where we did – Here's the player we think it's going to be. If not, then it will be this guy. So we win Trayvon Walker one. If not, then it will be Hutchinson or Aquanu. I mean, I don't really need to do this for the top three picks because we got those right. Aquanu at four, we had if not, then Sauce Gardner or Jermaine Johnson. At number five, it was going to be one of the tackles. So I don't, I don't really feel good. It was good. They were going to draft a tackle. So I'm not really celebrating that one. Uh, if not, then Kenny Pickett or Charles Cross because, again, I didn't think Aquanu would be available for the Panthers. Uh, the Giants, we had Jermaine Johnson or Derek Stingley because, again, I thought they reported that Thibodeau rubbed them the wrong way, apparently. So we went with Jermaine Johnson. Or if they had an edge rusher, we went with Jermaine Johnson. Falcons, it was either Thibodeau or London. Seahawks, we went with Johnson or Stingley because, again, it didn't look like Charles Cross was going to get past the Panthers. So we went with the edge rushers So in the corner. And then wide receiver at number 10 it was Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams. And with the wide receivers, you had one go 8 10 11, and 12. We had wide receivers come off the board in quick succession. And we had number 11. We had Chris Olave. I don't have Chris Olave higher rated 
than Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams. I have him at number four, in my personal opinion, which doesn't account for a whole lot. <laughs> but reports were that Washington loved Chris Olave. Their top two wide receivers to them, reportedly, which turned out to be complete bullshit, <laughs> was Chris Olave and Drake London. Now, if Drake London was available, do I think they would take Drake London? Yes. But they ended up trading back with the Saints, who ended up taking Chris Olave. So Chris Olave went 11, but he went to the Saints. We had right pick, wrong team. I thought that Washington, if Drake, if Drake London was gone, which he was, they'd go after Olave. And then 12, this is where it got weird, like really weird. So this, as you know, the Minnesota Vikings, or if you don't know, the Minnesota Vikings got a new GM, okay? So with new GM and a new head coach, they're going to want to start putting their fingerprints all over the team right away. And a fir their first draft is can be very indicative to what the rest of their time as a GM will be. The Vikings' last GM, Rick Spielman, was very big in trading back. Current GM traded back in his first draft, not once but twice, and the thing that's weird to me is that he traded back twice with two division rivals. He traded back with the, the Lions, go from 12 to 32, and then 34, and then the Packers. And the thing that's really dumb to me Maybe it's not dumb, because they got a good player in Lewis Seen at 32. I don't want to take anything away from Lewis Seen, because he's a very, very good safety. But you passed up Kyle Hamilton. If you were going to draft a safety, why didn't you just take the better of the two and take Kyle Hamilton? You have a very good safety from Notre Dame already on your roster. You've had success with Notre Dame in the past. Why did you not go back to Notre Dame and get a guy from there? And then it's very well documented. The Minnesota Vikings' worst area on their team is their secondary. Both teams, not only are division rivals, both teams that they trade back with, both drafted wide receivers. So you traded back with these teams to allow them to draft weapons to kill you more than what you already were last year. The Lions beat the Vikings because their secondary completely shut down at the end of the game. Like the game the, Viking, the Lions beat the Vikings in Detroit, Remember that game when Cam Dantzler's brain just completely shut off? And now you're going to willingly let the Lions and the Packers to get receivers that are bigger and faster than any of your corners you have? And they did end up getting Andrew Booth in the second round, so that's fine. But you had a chance to draft Kyle Hamilton. Why would you just trade back to get it? Again, maybe Lewis Seen is better than Kyle Hamilton in the long run. But to me, Kyle Hamilton's a top five player in the draft. Lewis Seen is a first-round draft pick, but there's a little bit of a difference between top-five player and first-round draft pick. There's a big difference in that. I think Lewis Seen is faster and possibly more athletic than Kyle Hamilton, but he's not more versatile. He's not as big as Kyle Hamilton. He can't make any... And I say can't. He doesn't, at this point in time, make as many plays as Kyle Hamilton. He can't play linebacker, safety, D-end, corner, nickel... He can't do that. He hits hard, yeah. But Kyle Hamilton is the best safety in the draft. And if you were going to draft a safety, why'd you not just take Kyle Hamilton? Did you just want the second pick? And then, again, why did you trade back with division rivals? I never have understood that. Especially when they're trading up. And you know they're trading up for a position that they're going to murder you with twice a year. And you did that twice. You did it twice. <laughs> That's the weird part. Like, the Eagles did that with the Giants, with the Cowboys last year, but that was to jump another division rival. So it was like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. 
Like the Eagles jumped, traded with the Cowboys to jump the, the Giants to draft Devontae Smith. That's fine. You're screwing over another. You're just like, one of, the Giants are going to take Smith. We're going to have to trade with the Cowboys. And both teams came out tops with that. With the Giants drafted Kadarius Tony, and now are apparently shopping him. So they're a little PO'd that Devontae Smith went 10th over all the Eagles. But the, the Lions could have traded up with anybody. You weren't. You traded back 20 spots and got two draft picks for it, or three, and you gave up a pick as well, which was also weird. And the Lions traded up to get Jamison Williams, who is the number one receiver in the draft. When healthy, Jamison Williams is by far the best receiver in the draft. He's the best receiver in college football, dominant player at Alabama. And now the Lions got him and traded with a division rival to do so. And that was the real, like, first shocker of the draft. Because I never saw anything that linked Jamison Williams to the Detroit Lions. Not once. When they traded up, my gut said, oh, that's for Malik Willis. They see the Saints. They see the Pan- the Steelers there. That's for Malik Willis. And then they said Jamison Williams. I actually said, wow. Not because it's a bad pick. Jamison Williams, again, is the best receiver in the draft. But it just didn't seem like a... I, di- I didn't know that was a thing that was going to happen. If Jamison Williams went and someone traded up for Jamison Williams, I thought it was going to be the Chiefs or the Eagles. I didn't think it was going to be the Lions. And then after the Lions made the trade, the Eagles traded up to 13. So I was like, okay, it's definitely Malik Willis. And then the Eagles are going to take Jamison Williams. And then no, it was Jamison Williams and then Jordan Davis. And the Eagles, you know, Howie Roseman loves stirring up the trenches. So Jordan Davis, very obvious pick. They jumped the Ravens. See, that's what you do there. <laughs> they don't not division rivals and you're screwing over another team the Ravens wanted Jermaine Jordan Davis but they're fine because they got Kyle Hamilton out of it so I think the Ravens are perfectly fine their secondary was injured to hell and back last year and now they got the top safety in the draft because the Vikings traded back with the division rival and that could work out very well for them Lewis seen again may turn out to be way better than Kyle Hamilton but as of right now I would have definitely taken Hamilton at 12 not only because he's the best player available on the board but because I had him going there. <laughs> so it would have made my draft more accurate. Uh, but we had the Texans taking Garrett Wilson because they were linked to him a lot. They really liked him. But, yeah, it was just Drake London was the first wide receiver off the board. If he went 10th, Washington Commanders were linked with Chris Olave. So then Garrett Wilson would fall a little bit more. I mean, Garrett Wilson, top two receiver in the draft. So him going third, I thought would be like a little bit surprising. I didn't like putting him at third. But... That's just how it shaped out. We already talked about the Ravens wanting Jordan Davis and ending up getting Hal Hamilton. They also traded Hollywood Brown, which this is this is crazy, the Hollywood Brown trade. So the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown. The Cardinals traded for Hollywood Brown. Two players from the same draft class. Hollywood Brown first-round draft pick, A.J. Brown second-round draft pick. A.J. Brown is a whole hell of a lot better than Hollywood Brown. No offense to Hollywood Brown. Both have battled injuries from time to time. But A.J. Brown, when healthy, has been one of the best receivers in the NFL. When healthy, Hollywood Brown has a lot of drops and is very fast. That's pretty much it. A.J. Brown can do everything. Hollywood Brown is really fast. If you said what the value of the two players were, like pick-wise, I don't think a lot of people would say they would be pretty similar in regards to their value. When you just watch a game with the Titans and the Ravens, you see... A.J. Brown making a difference. You don't see that with Hollywood Brown. Maybe because he just hasn't discovered that yet, but regardless, he doesn't make the same impact that A.J. Brown did. 
The Ravens went out and drafted a wide receiver in the first round last year. It's like they 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 signed Sammy Watkins as well. So it wasn't something like Hollywood Brown is clearly the number one guy. No, they were drafting more receivers because they didn't have faith in him because he couldn't stay healthy and dropped a lot of passes. And they both went for first-round draft picks. The Ravens got the 23rd pick and a few other picks. The Eagles, the Titans got the 18th pick. So seven, wait, five picks apart. That's not the difference in value between the two receivers. If I was looking at a receiver and I wanted to trade for one, I thought I would have to give up a lot more to get A.J. Brown than Marquise Brown. And that's just... I'm trying not to be offensive to Marquise Brown or anything, but this is just how the Cardinals do business. Steve Keim and Cliff Kingsbury are two uh, very interesting individuals in regards to their job. You already know that I'm not a massive fan of Cliff Kingsbury. Steve Keim has been a very interesting, or done an interesting job as GM for the Cardinals, which has not been anything spectacular in his reign as the Cardinals GM. So I was kind of, it was a weird trade. But it worked out very well for the Ravens because then they traded back again with the Bills and got Tyler Lindebaum. They got the best center in the draft by far and ended up filling a massive position of need on their offensive line because Bradley Bozeman went to Carolina. So now you filled the massive hole. Everybody was. It, I went on Cole and Company the Thursday of the draft and talked about where Linderbaum would go because he's an Iowa guy, so people want to know. On an Iowa radio show, people want to know where Iowa guys are going. And I said Linderbaum's going to go somewhere between the Cowboys at 24 and the Bengals at 31. Or it could, if he went in the first round. I didn't have him going in the first round because there were a lot of reports that he was going to slip out. If he did, though, those were, that was his sweet spot. And I said the Ravens would be the most ideal, but they're not going to take him at 14. If they trade back, they could take Linderbaum there because there was links between, like, you look at some of the teams in that 24 to 31 range, the Chiefs at 29 and 30 could have easily traded up to draft Jamison Williams. That was, I, I thought, a trade that was very feasible and could possibly happen if a scenario played out where Jordan Davis wasn't available and Kyle Hamilton wasn't. If Kyle Hamilton wasn't available, they would. if Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton weren't available, the Ravens would have traded back. <laughs> I don't think that's a, that's a crazy analysis right there. But then that would have been, okay, there goes Tyler Linderbaum to Baltimore. I didn't think they'd give up Marquise Brown. I didn't know Marquise Brown was on the trade market. I'm not surprised he's not. But they got a steal in that. They got two generational talents at their respective positions, Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Lindebaum. And Baltimore Ravens, one thing that they haven't been around for very long. They've been around for 20-something years. But the best thing they've done throughout their entire history is draft well. I cannot really remember a time the Ravens did not draft well. Maybe there's some time I'm completely forgetting about, but as long as I can remember, the Ravens have always been very good at the draft. With Ozzy Newsome and now Eric DaCosta, they have always followed their board, and they've always drafted very good players, and somehow managed to get Hamilton and Lindebaum. That is insane to me. So congratulations to the Ravens on doing that. Eagles, we already talked about them trading up. We had them taking Jamison Williams. The Saints at 16, they trade up to get Alave, so Washington took Jahan Dotson, which surprised me. I didn't know Dotson and Burks were going to go in the top 20. I had them both going in the first round. I had Burks going to Green Bay at 22 and Dotson going to Arizona at 23. But that surprised me. I'm not going to lie. I think Jahan Dotson is that good. Like, you just watched some of the catches he made. He has the best hands in this draft. He can make every catch out there. He's not the biggest guy. He's about 5'11", 180, 190, somewhere around there. But that dude makes every catch out there. And with Washington getting linked with Alave in London, I was kind of surprised by that that they would trade back and then take 
Jahan Dotson. Position-wise, it makes sense. Oh, we didn't talk the Texans. We had the Texans taking Garrett Wilson. They ended up taking Kenyon Green. I want to talk about this pick first. I don't know why I forgot about it. Because Kenyon Green was talked about falling out of the first round because he had a knee injury. So I didn't have him in the mock draft because I saw all these reports that Kenyon Green, extremely versatile and better than a lot of the players that got drafted above him in my mock draft, was going to fall out because of knee knee concerns. He did not. He ended up going 15th, which is a big difference between 15 and falling past 32. That's a big difference, not only in pick size, but in money size as well. His pockets got a little bit heavier than what they would have if he fell in the second round. Versatility-wise, best. if we're talking about, uh, do I want to say the entire draft? No, because I put that on Hamilton. He Okay, he is one of the, if not the, most versatile player in the draft. Last year at a he played every single position on the offensive line, and more than 100 times on each side, or at least 80 times. I should say 80. I guess not center. So left tackle, left guard, right guard, and right tackle. He played every position apart from center, at least 80 times. That's ridiculous. That positional versatility you don't see every now and again, which is why he should have been a first-rounder. But the knee thing was a concern, so we didn't have him going in there. It wasn't because I thought he was bad or didn't think he deserved to go top for, or in the first round. We definitely had him go in the first round. His, his versatility said so. But we didn't have that, and the Texans makes a lot of sense. They were going to improve their offensive line. They wanted to improve their defense and offensive line. That was what was clear the entire draft process. Those were the two things they were going to address, offensive line and defense, and they did both. But with the top offensive tackles off the board, I didn't think they'd take Penning, so I went with Wilson. But the trade back happened, and they took Kenyon Green. Great pick. I'm not saying it was bad. Maybe a little earlier than what I was expecting, but great pick nonetheless. And then Jahan Dotson. I mean, the commanders are going to take a wide receiver. They're going to take a wide receiver. We had uh, Trevor Penning going to the Saints at 16. He went 19. Good Lord. Why are you in here? Okay, I'm going to keep that last part in because uh, my dad just walked into my room and scared the absolute crap out of me. I thought about – so I stopped the show because I was startled and didn't know what to do, but, man, ah, that scared the crap out of me. But we're going to keep it in because it's kind of funny. But, yeah, where, where were we even at? Trevor Penning going 19 to the Saints. We had him going 16th. He was going to go – the Saints were going to draft a tackle. Mickey Loomis, as we talked about numerous times, was drafted off to linemen. He drafted all five of the stars in the offensive line, including Taron Armstead, who's now in Miami. And all those stars in the offensive line, whether it's Ramchek, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, or Eric McCoy, all those guys – wait, did we say Eric McCoy twice? So, hold on. Ramchek, Cesar, Cesar Ruiz, McCoy – I'm forgetting somebody. Andres Pete. All those guys were drafted in their first pick or their second pick. Eric McCoy was a second-round pick but he was the first pick of the draft when they took him. Like the Saints, when they have a need on the offensive line, it doesn't sit around for very long. It gets filled instantly. That's how Mickey Loomis has worked. So them drafting a tackle was the least surprising move of the night, at least one of them. And Penning, being a Northern Iowa guy, I love seeing that. He was the first Iowa guy off the board, which is really cool. So uh, great job by Penning. He's the first ever UNI Panther to get drafted in the first round. Very physical, can play guard and tackle. Played some right guard at the Senior Bowl. Played right tackle and left tackle at UNI. Love it. Love the fit, and I'm excited to see what he does at the next level. But yeah, Chahan Dotson went there at 16. Saints again took Chris Alave at 11. Uh, the Chargers at 17, Zion Johnson. They're building a line for, Jer- for uh, what's his name? <laughs> Justin Herbert. I toyed with that idea of Zion Johnson going here because I looked it up, and there was like, there's a chance Zion Johnson goes to the Chargers at 17. 
Like, okay, that's fine because they have a need at guard. Their right guard spot is not very good. They like Trey Pipkins, the left, the right tackle. They got a few years ago in the third round, I think. Other than that, it was like, okay, maybe a tackle goes there. But Lindenbaum's off, or uh, Penning's off the board, at least in that analogy, in this mock draft. And Zion Johnson was an option. But going closer to the draft, people started talking about they need corners. And uh, Brandon Staley being a def- defensive-minded head coach, though they brought in J.C. Jackson, it was like, okay, there, you can never have enough corners. That's one thing that's can that is stay always stay true. You can never have enough corners, especially when you're a defensive-minded head coach like Brandon Staley is. So I had him taking Kyrie Elam because Kyrie Elam fits what Brandon Staley has dealt with in the past. He had Jalen Ramsey while he was the defensive coordinator of the Rams. They are similarly similar in size. Six foot two, one hundred ninety-six pounds is Elam. Six foot one, one ninety-four is Jalen Ramsey. Very similar size. Both played at Florida or Florida, Florida State for Ramsey. So I thought that would be a very logical fit there, and the Chargers just basically be a luxury pick. Because, yeah, they needed off-the-line help, but it looked like they might go some other direction. They talked about getting speed at wide receiver as well. So we toyed with that idea, too, about getting them a wide receiver. But we went the length with Kyrie Elam, who ended up going to the Bills at 23. We talked about the Bills and Ravens making a trade. So it went to Elam at 23, and the Bills got an elite secondary that already got better, that just got better. Elam's length, speed, athleticism, tackling ability – and his work rate is what's really impressive. He showed up to the Bills meeting at the Combine with a book of all of his notes. Every time he does something on the field, it's like, man, we're writing it down. What could we do better? What did we do? What, did, what happened? And that is a Bills trade if I've ever seen one. And Kyrie Elam fits exactly what the Bills look for in draft picks. I didn't think he'd get there. That's the point. If Elam was available, I would have had him going there. Because when you look at what the Bills draft – and Brandon Bean specifically, because he wasn't there when Sean McDermott's first. Sean McDermott's first draft with Doug Whaley, who didn't do anything in the draft. Sean McDermott made the pick to trade back with the Chiefs, like Patrick Mahomes, and they took Trey White. Worked out beautifully for both parties. Bills got Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds out of the deal as well. But with Brandon Bean, his first draft pick was Josh Allen. Second draft pick was Tremaine Edmonds. Third was Ed Oliver. Fourth was Gregory Russo. But all four of those, and you can say maybe three because Ed Oliver maybe doesn't fit this narrative to a T, but Allen Edmonds and Elam, extremely long, extremely lengthy, athletic football players. All of those traits are with those three. Ed Oliver's just very athletic from the interior side of the defense. All great athletes is what I can say there. The Bills love themselves athletes. So with Elam off the board, I toyed with the idea of Kyler Gordon from Cincinnati going here. Or going to the Bills, I say. Because Kyler Gordon... He does dance. He does taekwondo. He does or kung fu. He does ballet. Athletic freak. So it was like, okay, the Bills are going to draft an athlete. That's what they're going to do. And we'll get to the Bills pick in a little bit, what we had there. But Kyrie Elam going to the Chargers at 17, end up being Zion Johnson. Makes sense. They had a hole at guard. Zion Johnson fills that. Eagles at 19 or 18. It went to the Titans. They draft Traylon Burks. Very like-for-like switch right there. I mean, Traylon Burks, bigger wide receiver, can do multiple things. Similar-ish skill set to that of A.J. Brown. Just made a lot of sense. Made a shit ton of sense. I'm not going to sit here and debate, like, go over it that much because it's just a like for like switch. It's like when the the 49ers traded Javon, uh, DeForest Buckner to the Colts and drafted Javon Kinlaw. It's like you just drafted his replacement. They got they had a guy in mind in Traylon Burks, great run blocker, can do multiple things for your offense. That's what the Titans do. That's what AJ Brown was. That's what Traylon Burks is. 19, first quarterback Kenny Pickett, who ended up going 20th. 
I knew or thought Kenny Pickett would be the first quarterback off the board. But my thought process was, this is where I got confused or got overthinking here. The Steelers liked Kenny Pickett. Steelers like, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. Kenny Pickett played at Pitt. Steelers and the Pitt Panthers share facilities. They play at the same football stadium. They're around him all the time. So it made a ton of sense in the world. He's played there. It's not like he's going to a whole new city. He's played in that stadium. He's played in that weather. He's done everything at Pittsburgh. So it made all the sense in the world. But there was so much love shown by Mike Tomlin towards Malik Willis. I was like, okay, that's got to be the pick. Because like last year and multiple years before that, it's like once Mike Tomlin makes it apparently clear who the Steelers like or who he likes, they're going to draft him. It was Najee Harris last year. I thought it was going to be Malik Willis here, who fell to the third round, which after Pickett, Willis, Ritter, and Corral all fell to the third round. Sam Howell fell to the fifth round. That was surprising as hell. I don't know if it surprised anybody else, but Willis was talked about at one point going second overall. That's insane how far he went from second to 86th. Like that. It was insane. He went to the Titans. Corral, as we said, went to the Panthers. Ritter went to the Falcons. But Willis, according to CBS Sports, was the odds-on favorite to be the first quarterback taken in the draft. Not only was he not the first, he was the third and drafted in the third round. So, like, if you're talking about skill set, Willis is the top guy in the draft. If you're talking about ceilings, Willis is the top guy in the draft. The thing that made him fall, what I'm assuming is, that dude is not ready to play at all. He's not. I love Malik Willis' skill set, but that dude, again, is three years, two years out from playing. And with this draft being heavily dominated by defensive side of the ball and wide receivers, as per usual, quarterbacks are naturally going to slide. I didn't think they would fall to the third round. I thought Pickett and Willis would be picked somewhere around each other. I thought Willis was a guaranteed first-round pick. I didn't think it would be, like, extremely high. But I thought his low point was 32 to the Lions. I didn't think it'd be 86th. It's a big difference. And of course, he's crying after he gets picked. I mean, that's just a lot of weight lifted off your shoulders very fast. And Pickett, to the Saints, I know it didn't make a lot of sense because of the fact they brought in, they re-signed Jameis Winston. They brought in Andy Dalton. So they have two NFL veterans there. Pickett is supposedly the most ready quarterback to play, or most the quarterback that's most ready to play in this draft. So I know that doesn't make a ton of sense in the world because if you draft a quarterback that's ready to play and you have two guys you just signed in the offseason, logically it doesn't make sense. But the Saints were heavily linked with Kenny Pickett. They interviewed him really tough. Kenny Pickett said that was his toughest interview. So I thought that would be a logical fit. They have a new regime, a new-ish Regime in regards to the coaching staff. Dennis Allen just got promoted from D coordinator to the head coach. But yeah, I'm not surprised Pickett was the first quarterback. He went 19, he went 20th. He was going to Pittsburgh or New Orleans. Those were two places I was pretty confident he'd go. Like, I had the idea. I saw some mantras that had him going 32 to the Lions. And I know they interviewed him. But I was never sitting there like, I think he could go to Detroit. I never thought that. I thought his, seal, his low point was the Steelers at 20. I didn't know if the Saints would be able to pass him up or not. Because you look at the Bears... Bears at Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. And they drafted Justin Fields. Justin Fields a whole hell of a lot less ready to play than Pickett is, but still a somewhat similar situation where you have two veterans and then a rookie. So that was kind of my logic and why I ended up putting him there. But I understand, again, he was with, he's been in Pittsburgh for five years. He's been around the Steelers organization. He's played in the stadium. He's played in the city. He's used to the weather. So it's like 
it makes all the sense. I'm not bashing it. I hope Pickett does very, very well at the next level because I love I love myself from Kenny Pickett. I'm not worried about the hand size at all. And I wish Will's nothing but the best unless he played both of them unless they play the Bills. I didn't think we were going to go through the entire first round, but I think that's the direction we are going. <laughs> uh, 21, the Patriots. I am taking Quay Walker. They traded back with the Chiefs, took Trent McDuffie. Chiefs, their draft needs in the first round were corner, safety, edge rusher, and wide out. Those were the top four-ish. I guess you could go secondary, D-end, and wide receiver. I think those were the top three things they were looking at in the first round. I the, the, the players I had in regards to the secondary, I didn't think, okay, first off, I didn't think Trent McDuffie would fall to 21. I thought his low point was 18 to the Eagles. I thought that's as low as he would go. But with the Eagles trading with the the Titans getting AJ Brown, them taking a wide receiver and then a bunch of other wide receivers going before him and two linemen that I did not think would go top 20 though deserving to go top 20. I'm not saying Zion Johnson, Kenyon green are massive reaches or anything Two very good players, but I didn't think McDuffie would fall that far. Um, but he did. And he went to the chiefs, the Patriots. I had him quit taking Quay Walker, very big athletic, versatile linebacker from Georgia a lot of reports leading up to the draft, the morning of the draft, said that he was not falling past the Patriots. And then they traded back because, you know, that's what Bill Belichick does. And this is where it got weird. And some would say strange. The Patriots traded back with the Chiefs and took Cole Strange from Tennessee Chattanooga. I have no problem with the player, but that is a very high pick to draft Cole Strange. I think if they had it their way, they would have taken Zion Johnson. They looked, if they're taking Cole Strange at 29, the fact they're probably taking a guard regardless of where they're picking in the first round. If you move that much, like the draft value from Cole Strange, who again is a very nice player, just not a first rounder, is insane. That was another wow moment. That one and the Jamison Williams thing were wow moments. Jamison Williams wasn't value. Jamison Williams was just the team he went to. Cole Strange was just where 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 he went to. Or maybe not where he went to because Bill Belichick loves drafting these small college kids. But the first round. Like, he could develop into a very nice center. I don't or guard. I don't want to take anything away from Cole Strange. He could develop into that. Very nice player. Very fun player to watch for FCS school in Tennessee, Chattanooga. Home of Terrell Owens. So they produced an NFL Hall of Famer. Maybe they could produce another one. <laughs> but the Patriots also went, uh, what it, was Tyquan Thornton in the second round as well, if I remember correctly? Hold on. Yeah, they went Tyquan Thornton. And we talked about, or the Patriots have talked about wanting to add more speed on the outside. So Tyquan Thornton, one of the fastest receivers at the Combine, but second round. There were a lot of good receivers he went before. Like, the value of the Patriots' picks this year was very odd. And people don't want to bash or make, like, go after Bill Belichick because he's the greatest coach of all time, but these trades, are, these picks were weird. They're strange. <laughs> but, man, Quay Walker just felt like a Patriots player. Losing Dante Hightower, defensive-minded guy, they're getting torched by the Bills, Lost the got swept by the Dolphins. They're going to need some offensive pe- or defensive people, but ended up going offensive with the first two picks, and Quay Walker went 22nd in the Packers. Not surprising. We had him taking Devin Lloyd at 28, so we're going to take a linebacker. Devondre Campbell's back. Just need some help on defense. Or not help, but more pieces on defense, I guess I should say. And from what reports said, they wanted Traylon Burks. They also went with Devontae Wyatt at 28. And a lot of people, more so, not well, I guess not, not as much as last year. Last year, people were infuriated that the Packers did not go with a wide receiver in the first round. 
infuriated. Like they were blood, blood boiling levels. And they took Eric Stokes, very good corner from Georgia, very athletic, very fast corner. So it wasn't like it was some insane player. But the Packers in the first round this year get two Georgia guys. Another well, that's two straight years they draft Georgia guys in the first round. I didn't even think about that till right now. But Channing or uh, Channing Tindall, Quay Walker, and Devontae White. I didn't have Devontae White in the first round. He is definitely a first-round talent. I had him going to either the Buccaneers or the Packers. Those are two teams I thought would fit nicely because the Packers lost Tyler Lancaster and need more depth on the D-line. Uh, Montgomery, the defensive coordinator. Jordan Montgomery, the defensive coordinator. Or D-line coach, not defensive coordinator. Joe Barry is the defensive coordinator. Has talked about wanting more athletic people from those interior D-line positions, from those edge rush positions in the 3-4 defense. Hold on, let me take some drink of water here. So him or Logan Hall made a shit ton of sense with the Packers at 28. It made, made a lot of sense. But the reports were that Devontae White had some character issues. There was a report that he had a domestic violence thing that popped up in 2020. That was going to pop up again. And though it happened two years ago, it's the NFL draft. So no matter what you did at any point in your life ever, it's going to screw up your draft stock. It did not because Devontae White was expected to go somewhere in the 27 to 28 range. But... I thought that would drop him out of the first round. Talent-wise, definitely first-rounder. Definitely, definitely, definitely. But ended up falling, staying in the first round. Didn't fall in the second round, and rightfully so. Duke can ball. Duke, Duke can absolutely ball. But Packers didn't go with a wide receiver in the first round. They traded up again, like we said with the Vikings, in the second round, got Christian Watson, a wide receiver we've had going to the Packers in the first round before. So Packers got a really good wide receiver in the second round. He didn't put up the ton of numbers that you're looking at. Like, if you look at James Williams, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, he didn't put up numbers like that. But maybe take Chris Olave out there, because Chris Olave had about 900 yards this year. But that's not indicative of how good he is. It's just the players he was with. But Chris and Watson came from a run-first team in North Coast State. Very run-heavy team. When Trey Lance was there, Trey Lance ran for 1,200 yards. Like, North Coast State will punch you in the mouth. They play eye formation a lot they run the ball down your throat. They don't really throw the ball. And Christian Watson, though he did not catch the ball as much as he, what he probably would have liked to, the dude can freaking fly. At 6'4", 200 pounds, dude ran a 4340, a 4-3-3 or something like that 40, which is absolutely insane. So if he went first round, I would not have been surprised at all. I had him as my number six receiver, seven receiver in the draft anyways. He was a seventh receiver taken. I'm kind of... Uh, I shouldn't say I'm surprised he didn't go in the first round because I didn't have him go in the first round in this one, but because there were some reports about other players that teams liked in regards to wide receivers, so I went with that direction. But, yeah, uh, the Packers, with their first three picks, I think Packers Nation can be very pleased with those three picks. We're going to talk about the Bills at 23, getting Kyrie Elam. Cowboys taking Tyler Smith. Young, 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 young off to tackle from Tulsa. Could play guard if need, or need be. Dude's 21 years old. He's played three years already at Tulsa. 21. Already. He's just 21. Turned 21 in April. <laughs> like April 3rd. Almost a month ago. And he's, already, he's only 21. And the Cowboys, they had him ranked higher. Jerry Jones showed us this. He had him ranked higher than Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green. So that's what we ended up doing. I flipped it around. Because that was what the report was before the draft and ended up being true. But both guys were off the board anyways. I felt weird having Tyler Johnson go before Zion Johnson. We had going 26 to the Titans. But Tyler Smith... Another right pick. This was the first exactly right pick, team and position, since pick three. So we, <laughs> we went one, two, three. We got, uh, da, 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 what was the next one? Chris Olave in the right position. 
at 11, wrong team. Trevor Penning, right team, wrong position. We had him 16, went 19. And then Tyler Smith at 24. <laughs> We're reaching on two of those, but we had four exactly right. So we can count him as five because I think we get half points because of the fact we had him either right pick or right team. Or wrong, right pick, wrong team, wrong team, right pick. That's what we're looking at right there. Tyler Smith, very athletic. Can learn from Tyrone, Tyrone Smith, who's one of the best tackles of his generation. They need help in the O-line. Need a lot of help in the O-line, regardless of guard or tackle. They lost Lyle Collins to Cincinnati. Connor Williams to Miami. So they need some help there. Tyler, Tyler Smith can play both spots, if need be. He's athletic enough to do that, and he'll dominate the run game for the run rushing attack with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. They'll need someone like that, or could definitely use someone like that. He'll need to clean up a lot of things. He had like 16 penalties last year. So he needs to clean up some things in pass protection in regards to hands, but the dude can ball. When he develops right, that dude can ball. Uh, 25, we had the Bills taking Brees Hall. He fits the athletic profile of the Bills. He's, by stat, stat cast, I think he was the most athletic player in the draft. I think that's what they said. One of the most athletic players in the draft, if not. I think he was joint with Tyler Lindebaum, which is weird to see two Iowa guys at the top spot. And though it went Brees Hall, it was Tyler Lindebaum here at 25 again to Baltimore. But Brees Hall, I think, would fit what the Bills did. They ended up taking James Cook, which I was so happy about that pick. James Cook didn't put up the numbers that people were extremely looking for. Like, he didn't, wasn't a 1,000-yard rusher. It wasn't anything crazy like that. But he came from a system where he was rotating with Zaire, Can- Zaire White. So he didn't put up monster numbers at Georgia. But the dude can play. Dude can absolutely play. Third running back taking me. I'm third running back on the board. I told my sister... While we were watching the draft, we got, Bills traded back twice. I think they wanted Sky Moore. Really think they wanted Sky Moore from Western Michigan. We've talked about that before. A speedy slot. Can play on the outside as well. Put up monster numbers against Pitt. If I remember, he put up monster numbers, I guess. The game against Pitt was just very weird. They won 44-41, which is just an odd game in general, given how good the rest of the season was for Pitt. But the Chiefs took him. About two picks before the Bills were up. So they traded back twice. Took James Cook at, uh, at 63, but I told my sister, if they took in a running back, I want James Cook or Rashad White. Rashad White went a little bit later, but Rashad White's similar mold to that of Brees Hall, where he's a bigger back, but a better receiver out of the backfield. I'm not saying he's as gifted as a natural runner as Brees Hall is, but as a receiver, he's better. So I thought that would be a nice fit as well. But James Cook, he can play outside. Like, the dude can line up as a wide receiver. He's the best receiving back in the draft and fits the Bills perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. So... I wanted them to take a running back. I think every Bills fan wanted a running back. I just think a lot of Bills fans were debating on whether it should be a first-round draft pick or second-round draft pick. But once the Bills traded up to 23, the idea of Brees Hall going to the Bills went out of my mind. I was like, they did not trade up for Brees Hall. They did not trade up for Brees Hall. I am very confident in saying that. Once the trade went through, it's like, okay, they're taking a corner. I don't know which one, but they're taking a corner. Because you look at some teams behind them, like the Buccaneers could use a corner. The Chiefs could, I guess not the Chiefs, they already took one. But yeah, they weren't trading up for a a running back. So Brees Hall for the second round, but he went to the Jets. He'll do well there, and I don't want him to do well there, but I I like Brees Hall a lot. I'm excited to see what he does at the next level. My dad was like, I've never seen you be this excited or this hopeful for an Iowa State player, but you know what? If you're 6'1", 220, run a 4'3", 40, and set the NCAA record for most touchdowns in consecutive games, or most consecutive games with a touchdown, Run for 20-plus touchdowns back-to-back seasons. Yeah, I'll be a little excited for you. Uh, 26, we had Zion Johnson, the Titans. They traded this to the Jaguars. No, the Jets, who took Jermaine Johnson, as we talked about earlier. Titans need help on the O-line. They lost both their starting guards, both the Buffalo, David Questenberry, and Roger Saffold, both up north to Buffalo. 
So they need help there. They ended up trading back, trading up to get, or trading out. Wait, no. Yeah, they traded out with the Jets. Who, who did they take? I don't remember who they took in the second round. Roger McCree, the corner. They need help in the secondary. I mean, they are they were injured to hell and back in the secondary last year, so Roger McCree makes a lot of sense. He fits what they're doing in regards to mentality, tackling ability. Got short arms, so people are kind of concerned about that. Some are calling him alligator arms. So maybe that's a concern. I don't think so. Roger McCree can absolutely ball. He led the nation or led the corners of this draft class, at least the top ones in tackles. He had like 40 to 50 tackles last year. Duke can hit. Duke can hit. So they got two players, Traylon Burks and Roger McCurry, that fit what their mold is in regards to what they do as a team. But I thought they'd take a lineman. They didn't, and the Jets took Jermaine Johnson, so it worked out. Johnson went there. The Bucks at 27, they didn't pick here. The Jaguars trade up to get uh, Devin Lloyd. Cut Miles Jack, so they had a whole linebacker. Devin Lloyd, to me, is the best linebacker in this draft. Had some knee concerns, apparently, before the draft, so he dropped a little bit more than what he probably should because, in my mind, he's the best linebacker in this draft. I like Quay Walker a lot. I like N'Kobe Dean a lot, who fell insanely to the third round. Don't know how the hell that happened, but apparently he had a pec injury or shoulder issue that he did not want to get surgery on. He refused to get surgery, so the team was like, they were like, ah, well, we're going to pass. But, man, the Eagles got him late. Jeez, that's a scary good pick for the Eagles. Scary good. If he could stay healthy, if the concern is not that big, that's very awesome. But the Jaguars need linebacker help. Cut, cut Miles Jack, so they have a hole there. David Lloyd, Devin Lloyd fills that hole very nicely. You get Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd in the first round. That's that's a very nice haul for the Tennessee Titans. It's a very nice haul. Or the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, sorry. Same division. Uh, we already talked about the Packers and Devontae Wyatt. The Chiefs at 29, they traded up with the Patriots. This was Cole Strange. Already talked about that. Then at 30, the Chiefs took George Karlaftis, the edge rusher from Purdue. I flip back and forth between Karlaftis and Boye Mafe. Apparently, uh, Chris Leach, or Chris Veach, uh, what's his name? The GM, Veach. Chris Veach? What's his name? I'm completely blank on the Chiefs GM. What's his name? Brett Veach. Brett Veach. Uh, he really liked, apparently, I guess I was wrong, but re- really liked Boye Mafe from Minnesota. The address from Minnesota. Ended up going with George Karlaftis. There were reports that he would fall out of the first round, so I ended up having him do that. He went 30th. They were going to take an edge rusher at one of their picks. It was their biggest need. Edge rusher, and then you could rank it corner, safety, wide receiver, and whatever order you want, but edge rusher was number one. And Karlaftis fills an instant need. He's a very big, powerful rusher. He can rotate inside if need be, but this keeps Chris Jones inside, which is what the Chiefs should do, is keep Chris Jones inside. He's one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL. Keep that dude inside, and you'll dominate. And then George Karlaftis will definitely fill a hole there. And then I had George Pickens go here. There was reports the Chiefs really liked his attitude. Like, he was a very big dog, and he'll let you know. He'll talk crap to you, and then he'll punch you in the face, literally, if he doesn't like where you're going. So I thought that would be a fit with what Andy Reid's drafted in the past and players he signed in the past, but George Pickens was coming off an ACL injury. He didn't really play a lot of football, so he fell a little bit. Nothing, like, insanely. He fell to the second round at pick 52, and there are people talking about if he remains healthy, his potential is the best receiver in this draft class. So people were really liking that. So I thought he'd be a person that the Chiefs would definitely be looking at in regards to getting a receiver. He's not necessarily the receiver that you're looking for for the Chiefs when you're talking about national speed guy. That's where Sky Moore comes in. That's where Christian Watson comes in. That's where someone like Calvin Austin or John Mechie comes in. So George Pickens didn't really fill that mold because he's 6'3", 200 pounds. But I thought he would be a really nice receiver. He could stretch the field, can make great catches. I thought he'd be a nice guy there. 
The, the Bengals at 31, they took Daxton Hill. I am taking Logan Hall. Logan Hall went 33 to Tampa, which is a pick I was rotating with in my mind in the first round, so I'm not surprised Logan Hall went to Tampa. But Daxton Hill makes a lot of sense. They need secondary help. Daxton Hill can play corner and safety, nickel corner, outside corner, safety, whatever you need him to. The, the Bengals' secondary is not very good. That has been very well documented over the past however many years. That's basically a who's who of who's been cut in the first round from, from NFL to who's Who's who of former first-round picks that have been cut from their original team? Like Vernon Hargraves, uh, Eli White, or Eli, Eli Apple, Eli White. Uh, he is a baseball player. Who does he play for? Eli White. Rangers? Hold on. I don't know why Eli White popped in my head, but we're looking him up. Oh, yeah, Eli White plays for the Texas Rangers. Let's go. But, yeah, they need secondary help. Logan Hall would have filled a hole left by Larry Ogunjobi. So I thought that'd be a very logical fit there because of the fact they had a hole there. That would be nice to fill it. Turns out not. Turns out not. But you know what? That's whatever. That's absolutely whatever. So they ended up going with Daxon Hill. Best, next best safety in the draft to me. One of the most versatile players in the draft as well. Makes a ton of sense. And then 32, you're on top of the line, The Vikings taking Lewis Seen, the safety from Georgia. And then we're looking at some of the rest of the draft picks, some picks that I really like if we're going in the second round. I like the Christian Watson pick from North Coast State. I like Logan Hall going to Tampa as well. We'll replace, jeez, uh, Ndamukong Sue. almost forgot his name. Uh, Kyler Gordon was a nice pick, corner from Washington for the Bears. Arnold Ebiketti, we talked about him going to the Falcons at 38. They traded up, and I thought it was for boy, uh, for Malik Willis. When teams traded up, like <laughs> I thought, you're jumping the, the Seahawks there. So I was like, oh, maybe it's for the quarterbacks. The Seahawks were linked to Malik Willis too. So maybe it's for the quarterback. It was not. The Seahawks, though, Kenneth Walker, they got Boye Mafe, so they got an edge rusher there. Kenneth Walker still somewhat of a surprising move to me, but he's a good player. He's a very good player. Giants get Wandale Robinson. Vikings take Andrew Booth. Very good pick for them after trading back and then trading up again. Texans taking John Mechie. Barring ACL injury, he had gone higher than this. There was reports that the Texans really liked him and Jahan Dotson, so I'm not surprised they ended up taking John Mechie. Ravens took David Ojabo. Uh, Ojabo coming off an Achilles tear, but... He played under the Ravens' D coordinator at Michigan, who just who just left Michigan to go replace Wing Martindale in Baltimore. So it's an obvious fit. Help in the edge rushing department. If you look at Cam Akers, how he came back from an Achilles tear in six months, I think a lot of teams are starting to get a little less concerned. I'm not saying the concern is dead and out, dead and gone and stuff like that, because the concern for an Achilles tear is massive, because that's probably the worst injury you can get, apart from you know getting decapitated or something. That's probably worse. But man, David Ojabo. Love the pick for the Baltimore Ravens. Keep going down. Cam Juergens, the center from Nebraska, he went to the Eagles at 51 to replace Jason Kelsey wherever he retires. Then we had three straight wide receivers, Pickens to the Steelers, Alec Pierce to the Colts, very speedy, big wide receiver from Cincinnati. Then we had uh, Sky Moore to the Kansas City Chiefs. Trey McBride went to Arizona, very nice pick there. Sam Williams, I was upset about this because I like Sam Williams. I don't want the Cowboys, so he went there. Luke Gadecki from Central Michigan. I was really surprised he went before Bernard Raymond. He's a guard-tackle hybrid. I was surprised that he went before Raymond, but good player nonetheless. Troy Anderson, very intriguing player, can play pretty much everywhere. Played at quarterback, running back, and linebacker at Montana State. Like, literally, he played everywhere. <laughs> so he was one of the players that was rising a lot. He went to the Falcons at 58, really liked the player. Bengals took another corner. They list him as a safety during the, pro the broadcast. So night one, I watched NFL Network, because I think that's the premier spot to watch the NFL draft. But... For some reason, we don't. I can watch the NFL Network on my laptop, le legally, because we can look up to our Directv account. 
but we can't watch it on our TV. I don't know why that works, but I didn't want to hook it all up to, for thir- for Friday night, so we ended up just watching ESPN. But Cam Britt Taylor was listed as a safety. He's a corner from Nebraska. So I guess you could look at it. Do they want to play Hill at safety? And Britt Taylor – or Taylor – I keep doing that. Britt Taylor. Taylor Britt at corner or Taylor Britt at safety and Hill at corner. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But the Bills took James Cook. We already talked about that. The the Baltimore – jeez. Denver Broncos took Nick Benito, edge rusher from Oklahoma. Very nice player. Very fast edge rusher coming off the edge at 64. Luke Fortner, the center from Kentucky, went to Jacksonville at 65. They need some line help. Fills a hole there. The Browns took Martin Emerson, long corner, very long corner. Nicholas Petit-Ferrer went to the Titans at 69, LOL. Chad Muma, linebacker from Wyoming, went to the Jaguars at 70. So another line double down on linebackers. Velas Jones, I can't remember. It was either him or Tyquan Thornton that ran the fastest time at the 40, but at the combine, but he's very athletic, very fast. Jelani Woods, tight end from Virginia, who was my number three tight end, went to the Colts at 73. Desmond Ritter. Started the quarterback carousel at 74 to Atlanta. Christian Harris went to the Texans at 75. Travis Jones, love this pick. Love this pick. Travis Jones goes to the Ravens at 76. They wanted Jordan Davis. They got Kyle Hamilton. Like, the Ravens, you get Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Lindebaum, David Ojabo, went off injury as a top 10 pick, and Travis Jones, who, though he played for UConn and won four games in four years, is a very big, very strong interior D lineman that can get after the passer as well. Love that pick. Bernard Raymond went to the Colts at 77, went a lot later than what I was expecting. Uh, Greg Dulcich went to the Broncos at 80. They just traded Noah Fant to the Seattle Seahawks and the Russell Wilson traits. So they needed a little bit of tight end help. D'Angelo Malone, we like him a lot. I've talked about him a ton on this show. He went to 82 to the Falcons. At least I, I talked about him after the Senior Bowl. I guess we haven't talked about him a ton recently, but I really like the player. DeMarvin Leal went to the Steelers at 84. N'Kobe Dean went to the Eagles at 83. Malik Willis to the Titans at 86. Cameron Thomas, who I toyed with in the earlier mock drafts of him going to the Cardinals in the first round because he compares a lot to J.J. Watt. Cardinals have J.J. Watt on their current roster, though he's getting older, so I think that's a very like-for-like replacement whenever J.J. Watt decides to leave. Cameron Thomas is there. Uh, Cowboys took Jalen Tolbert at 88. He was a guy I wanted in the second round for the Bills. At wide receiver. Drell Bernard, linebacker, can probably play some safety as well. Just an all-around really good football player. Just a little bit of size concerns around a lot of Bills fans out there. But very athletic, very fast, very good, instinctive football player. He's made all Big 12 teams three times at Baylor. He's six foot, about 220 pounds, can rotate around the team, which is what the Bills like. So I like the pick there. That was the only one out of the first three picks that I was kind of like, eh, about. But the more and more I see it, the more I'm like, okay, that's fine. Rashad White went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked about him earlier, but I couldn't remember the team. Sean Ryan, a guard tackle hybrid from UCLA, very good run blocker, went to the Packers at 92. Tyrion Davis-Price, running back from (laughs) LSU, the running back that destroyed my Florida pick last year because Florida had to top whatever rushing defense. LSU can't run the ball. Oh, Tyrion Davis-Price rushes for almost 300 yards against Florida. That's awesome. Then the Panthers traded up to get Matt Corral at 94, which is an awesome pick there. Brian Robinson went to the Washington Commanders at 98. Cleveland Browns got David Bell. We talked about David Bell before. People are all hung up about his combine times. David Bell is in that similar mold in regards to times as Jarvis Landry. Because Jarvis Landry did not test well at the combine. Jarvis Landry's had a very nice NFL career up to this point. He's not on a team now, but he's had a very nice NFL career 
And David Bell, coincidentally, is going to replace Jarvis Landry in Cleveland. I really like that pick. Mize Sanders, if he can figure out his weight, he's going to be a very nice edge rusher. He'll place for Chandler Jones for the Cardinals defense. Like you got Cameron Thomas to replace J.J. Watt eventually, and MyJ Sanders, again, the weight thing. If he can figure that out, he'll be a very nice edge rusher for the Cardinals. Jeremy Ruckert, love the pick for the Jets. Uh, George Kittle-ish in regards to lack of production in college does not equal he won't be a very good tight end in the NFL in regards to yards. George Kittle did not put up a lot of yards in college, put up record-breaking numbers at tight end in the NFL. That's kind of what Channing, Jeremy Ruckert is. I'm not saying he will be become George Kittle or even compares to him as a player. I think that's more to Trey McBride regards to run blocking, but Jeremy Rucker, really good all-around tight end. Then we had back-to-back linebackers. Channing Tindall went to the Dolphins at 102, and Leo Chennault went to the Chiefs at 103. Uh, Chennault, very good pass rusher from the linebacker position. Channing Tindall, very all-around linebacker, can do special team stuff as well, which is very nice. Danny Gray, wide receiver from SMU, went to the 49ers at 105. Kate Otten, Tight end from Washington went to the first pick in the fourth round to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Perrion Winfrey, who dominated the Senior Bowl for for Oklahoma and killed Brock Purdy, probably should have got injected against Iowa State this year, <laughs> but he went to the Browns at 108. Daniel Falele, awesome pick for the Ravens, all the way down in the fourth round at 110, right to natural right tackle, six foot eight, four hundred pounds. They had uh, Trent Brown's dad and Trent Brown, two massive individuals, so fits the mold there. We'll see how much he plays, given the fact that Ronnie Stanley can't stay healthy and Morgan Moses is getting older. So we'll see what that happens there. Max Mitchell, another very good tackle from Louisiana, went to the Jets a pick later. Dane Belton, Iowa guy, went to the Giants at 114. They need some safety help. They lost to Brill Peppers. They have Xavier McKinney there, but they could use some more help with the safety position. Dane Belton can play in the nickel if necessary. Then who else? Iome Azuriki from Iowa State went to the Broncos at 116 to fill an interior D-line thing. He'll probably replace Shelby Miller along the D- or Shelby Harris along the D-line. Shelby Miller, pitcher in baseball. I don't know why I brought up two baseball players already, but or already at all. But yeah, he'll probably replace Shelby Harris there. What other picks do we have here? We got Cade York, the first kicker in the draft, goes to the Char- the Browns at 124. Isaiah Spiller and Zymir White go back-to-back picks to the Raiders and Chargers, respectively. Nice picks there. Zymir White, uh, not the numbers team thing. Like we talked about with James Cook, rotate with him at Georgia. And Isaiah Spiller is nothing that like amazing, but he's very consistent. He had 2,000-yard seasons and almost a third 1,000-yard season his freshman year. Very consistent running back there, but he doesn't do like a, a whole, whole lot. Pierre Strong, very nice running back from South Dakota State, went to the Patriots at 127. Charlie Kohler went to the Ravens at 128. I like that pick a lot. Charlie Kohler, very long tight end. Can catch everything. Probably one of the top receiving tight ends in the draft. Needs to do some things blocking-wise. But regards to overall receiving, he's one of the best in this draft. And I love the fit going to the Baltimore Ravens. Then we have Jordan Stout going to the Ravens again. First punter off the board. Then we had Jake Carmada. Comrade, Car, mm, Carmarda, Carmarda from Georgia going to the Buccaneers at 133. Bailey Zappi went in the fourth round. That's what so that surprised the hell out of me. Not just because he went to the Patriots. He went before Sam Howell. Like, I like Bailey Zapp. Bailey Zappi broke Joe Burrow's passing records at LSU. Or at, uh, well, he's at Western Kentucky, but Joe Burrow was at LSU is what I meant to say. But fourth round, uh, Sam Howell, I think, is better than Bailey Zappi. I think ba- Z- Sam Howell's got a stronger arm. I think Sam Howell can move more. I think Sam Howell's a more physical football player. 
Sam Howell faced tougher competition. So I'm kind of that's a pick I'm surprised about. Not only that the Patriots took a quarterback, but the fact they took Sam Howell or Bailey Zappi. But again, that falls under the Patriots evaluation chart is very weird this year. Very strange. Again, very, very strange. Calvin Austin, fast, fast wide receiver, went to the Steelers at 138. Isaiah Likely, another good tight end, went to the Ravens again at 139. We're going to take a drink real quick. Ah. Uh, Chigazim Okonkwo went to the Titans at 143. Fills a need at tight end. They never really replaced um, Johnu Smith there. Darian Kennard fell all the way to the fifth round at 145. Don't know how that happened. We already talked about Sam Howell going 144 to the Ravens, or the Commanders. Bill's got Khalil Shakir, wide receiver from Boise State. Very versatile wide receiver, can play both inside and outside. Very excited to see what he does in the Bills' offense. Tariq Woolen from UTSA fell a lot further than what I was expecting. He went behind Cordell Volson, or not Cordell Volson, sorry. <laughs> Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State. I'm very surprised that he fell that far. With how much length he has, he's like six foot four and ran a 4-3 at the Combine, or 4-2-9 or something at the Combine. I'm very surprised he went as late as he did. But then we have, like, Cole Turner, very good tight end from Nevada, very nice receiving tight end from Nevada. And speaking of Nevada, Carson Strong didn't get drafted. That surprised me. That surprised me a lot, especially with some of the other quarterbacks we're going to mention here in a little bit. Carson Strong not getting drafted. Yeah, he's not the most mobile, but Carson Strong, we've said numerous times, throws the best deep ball in the draft, most consistent deep ball. I think Malik Wells has a strong arm, but Carson Strong is more consistent with it. But there's some knee issues. So Carson Strong ended up falling because of his knee issues. I hope that doesn't affect his NFL career because I think he could be very nice if given the right opportunity. I don't like that he went to Philly, but maybe he gets an opportunity. They're not necessarily 100% sold on Jalen Hurts, so maybe that's an option for him, but they also got Gardner Minshew and then the greatest high school quarterback of all time, Reed Sinnott. So it's like, got a lot of concerns there for Carson Strong, <laughs> but we'll see how he does. Uh, Tyler Allgaier, running back from BYU, another very consistent running back. Uh, went to Atlanta at 151. Snoop Connor had a very, a very nice, a good year at Ole Miss this past year, rotating with Jer- Jerry on Ely. Had a nice year there. Went 154 to the Jaguars. Again, another running back. We'll see if Travis Etienne can stay healthy because I think he's very, very good. Again, if he can stay healthy. Zion McCollum, corner from Sam Houston State. Again, a very, very long corner. He's six foot four. He went to the Buccaneers at 157. They needed more defensive back help. They're getting older in the secondary as well. Got a lot of uh, expiring contracts here soon. Needs some athleticism, and he has that. The Rams taking Kyron Williams, Notre Dame. Very good all-around back, just a little smaller. Did not test particularly well, so that's why he fell a little bit more than what he probably should. But best one of the best pass blockers in the draft. So I'm really excited to see how he does. He'll be a nice rotational piece with Cam Akers. Really excited to see what he does there, especially in the fifth round. Great value there. Ty Chandler, North Carolina, a little bit older. In comparison to some of the other players in this draft, he's turning 24 in May 2nd, May 12th. So he's got a little bit, he's going to be a little up there in age, maybe. I mean, I'm not saying that's old because I'm 24. So yeah, <laughs> but I like the player. I like the player a lot. Keep going a little bit. I'm going to try and speed this up a little bit. Matarazia, punter from San Diego State, punt god as he's known, went to the Buffalo Bills. Bills need punting help. They like left footed punters. Every punter they've had. For since Sean McDermott's been there, whether it's Bajorquez, Matt Hawk, and now Areza, left-footed punter. Always got left-footed punters. And I'm excited to see what he does, even though the Bills don't punt a lot. I'm excited to see what he does. Kingsley Enigbare, edge rusher from South Carolina, went to the Packers at 179. Very good value pick right there for the Packers. Keep it going a little bit more. Try to speed it up a little bit. Not going to go through as many picks this time because we're getting in the later rounds of the draft. 
Uh, Cade Mays, guard from uh, Tennessee, goes to the Panthers at 199. That's the Tom Brady pick. So we got to talk about, you know, pick 199. Cade Mays, very ver- he played guard and tackle while at Tennessee. He was very, I don't want to say highly touted last year or going into this season, but he did fall off a little bit. But, hey, 199, we'll see if he does something there. Panthers need a lot of help on the offensive line, so it could work out well for him. There in Carolina, could get some playing time. Connor Hayward, fullback tight end from Michigan State, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, brother of Cam Hayward. So that's very cool. Get some brotherly love there. They got the Watt brothers, Derek and TJ, and now they got the Hayward brothers. So that's that's pretty cool. Keep it going. Darion Kendrick went to the Rams at one or two twelve, which is a lot later than what I was expecting. Used to play wide receiver, very instinctive corner. Playing for Georgia, I mean, you can't go wrong playing for Georgia's defense. You really can't. Keep it going a little bit. Now we're in round seven. Do I want to talk about any of these picks here? Really? Thayer Munford went 238 from Ohio State to the Raiders. 238. This is a possible first-round draft pick when he was first at Ohio State. Now he's going seventh round. This is what we're talking about, what we said before. Aiden Hutchinson destroying draft stocks. Like, it's absolutely freaking nothing. Going 238 <laughs> all the way down there. Uh, Chris Oladikun from South, uh, South Dakota State, very nice quarterback at the FCS level. Very nice quarterback. South Dakota State had a very weird quarterback situation over the past few years. They had injuries like J- Jabori Gibbs got hurt. Then they had, um, oh, crap, I can't remember. Keaton Heidi, was that their other quarterback? Or is Keaton Heidi? Hold on. Keaton Heidi. Is he a UNI basketball player? Oh, no. Dude, I'm on a freaking roll. And then they had Grabowski as one of their other quarterbacks there. And then they had Chris kind who transferred in. I don't remember where he transferred from exactly. I guess I could find that out. Uh, Samford. He played at South Florida, then Samford, then South Dakota State. Played one year at South Dakota State. Put up good numbers there. Um, didn't beat the Panthers, though. So, you know, it's whatever. Or wait, hold on. I, think, I can't remember if he did or not. I think I'm pretty sure you and I won because I watched the game. <laughs> you think I would remember this? Hold on. Okay, the, I was going to say, I thought I watched the game. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was, you and I won. It was on the road. So, yeah, good quarterback. I, I'm not really surprised he got drafted. I'm surprised Skylar Thompson and then a certain Brock Purdy got drafted. But Skylar Thompson, wait, what was my final quarterback ranks? Did I have Chris Oladokun? I did on my original one. Did I change it? I did. I had him at 16. So, I, I had him below... Carson Strong and Brock Purdy. I didn't think either one of them would get drafted. I'm not, I guess I shouldn't say surprise is the wrong word. Surprise is the really wrong word here. Because Skylar Thompson had a really good offseason. I didn't think Brock Purdy, though, was he's one of those guys that is a really good or really nice college quarterback. There's a lot of them. And there's nothing wrong with that, being a really good college quarterback. He's the greatest quarterback in Iowa State history, right above Seneca Walls. I think he's past him. And, reju- and then Brett Myers in third. This is, to, according to me, I don't, Iowa State fans could put Sage Rosenfels up there if they want, but I don't think Sage Rosenfels' Iowa State career is as good as what his NFL career was, and I think that's how people are viewing it. Like, overall, sure, he had a better NFL career than all the other guys, but I wouldn't put him above uh, Brett Meyer. I liked Brett Meyer a lot at Iowa State. But Purdy doesn't have a strongest arm. He's not the most athletic. He's not the biggest. So I was kind of like, I don't really think he'll get drafted that high. And he didn't really put on a ton of shows at the Combine, but he put up good numbers at Iowa State. He did the typical Iowa thing, though. It's just a thing that happens in all state of Iowa quarterbacks. They peak at early, and then every single year after that, they go down and down and down. Not saying it's like a steep dip, cliff dive or anything, 
That was James Vandenberg, but it's pretty much down after the first year. So like they peaked, and then they start going down. But, hey, he went to San Francisco, so that's cool. Four Iowa State players got drafted, one UNI guy and two Iowa guys. And then Isaiah Weston, wide receiver from UNI, ended up signing as a free agent with the Cleveland Browns. So I'm excited to see what he does there if given the opportunities, which I think he should because the Browns wide receiver core is nothing really that special apart from Amari Cooper. I like Donovan Peoples-Jones. David Bell is going to be an exciting addition. And then Isaiah Weston, if he can stay healthy, because that's the big thing. If he could stay healthy, he would have easily got drafted. But the health concerns are something to be you know, concerned about with him going to the NFL. But this draft, very nice draft. I, it was very unpredictable. As they said, a shit ton of trades, especially early in the second round. You had a ton of trades there. You had eight trades in the first round, a lot of them going in between 11 and 20. So a lot of stuff go, or between 10 and 20, I guess 11 is where it started. I like this draft. The Jets had a very nice draft. I think the Falcons had a very nice draft as well. I'm just excited to see what I'm excited to see what all these teams do. I'm excited. The Bills, I think they had a good draft. I'm not saying it's the most amazing draft ever, but it's a good draft. It's a good draft for the Buffalo Bills. So yeah, the draft is gone. It's sad time. Very sad time, but uh yeah, it's here. I, I thought about doing a tier list of like first round pick tier list maker, but I don't like doing t- I don't like grading first round picks. I will give it like analysis around first round picks, but I don't like say that was a stupid pick. That pick should have never been made. It's a strange pick. Yeah, I think there was a few strange or not a few. I think there was one strange pick in the first round. That was Cole Strange. Everything else was kind of like I could see that. So I don't want to do anything where it's like oh D. You could do like value on where the player you thought you could go, but when you do this and you come back in a few years and you go like oh wow Cole Strange is the new Quentin Nelson. It's like, oh, crap. That didn't work out. I'm not saying he will be that, but he could. I don't want to rule anything out. He could also be the next DJ Fluker. So I don't I don't know. You'd anywhere fall between that realm there. So, yeah, I, they're always hard to do that. I don't think there's any team really, at least in the first round, that can be upset. Maybe the Patriots, because they might not think Cole Strange is a first-round draft pick. But I don't think there's any team that's really like should be upset. There's always that one weird pick. I mean, we had Alex Leatherwood and Peyton Turner last year. So there's always that one. And this year was Cole Strange, small school guy, went to the Patriots. I mean, the team and the like doesn't surprise me he went with a small school guy. But the first round is kind of surprising. But I think they did want someone like Zion Johnson. I'm surprised they didn't go with Quay Walker. But if the Chiefs gave him an offer that was too good to refuse, I don't know what the Chiefs gave up. I guess I never really saw that. Then the Patriots are going to trade back. If the Patriots presented an offer in the draft, they're going to trade back. They never trade up. They always stay either stand pat or trade back. Like when they got Mac Jones last year, he just fell right in their lap. They weren't trading up for him, even though we tried to predict a trade. They didn't. They don't trade up. They always trade back, if anything. So, yeah, I think my favorite picks, though, if I had to be honest, like if we're going to go through each round, and say what my favorite picks were. I really, really like Jamison Williams to the Lions because I didn't think that was going to happen. Jameson, the Lions need wide receivers, and they got the best receiver in the draft if he could stay healthy. I really like Aiden Hutchinson to the Lions as well. I think the Lions had a very nice draft. Aiden Hutchinson, the best player in the draft, got him second overall. Always nice. The Giant, the Jets getting Gardner, Wilson, and Johnson. Three guys that definitely filled the all-gas-no-breaks mentality from the Jets. Love those picks. Uh, anything else in the first Ravens getting Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Lindebaum, beautiful picks done right there. 
Bills getting Kyrie Elam length, speed, athleticism, mentality, all fits what the Bills do on defense. Just great. I, I really enjoyed the first round. I was not mad at any pick that was made. That Usually I'm pissed off at one pick because I was like, ah, I should have done that, but I just I didn't care, care free because maybe I was just tired. Maybe I didn't really comprehend what was actually happening in the draft, and I was just like, uh, it's just whatever. Whatever happens, it happens. Man. But it was fun. I watched it with a friend of my dad. I didn't do a live stream this year. I didn't make a video. Just relaxed. It was a good uh it was a good experience. I enjoyed it. Let's get do I have any other favorite picks? Like if we're going in the later rounds, I like Brees Hall going to the the Jets. Really like that pick. Christian Watson going to the Packers. I think that's a very nice fit. David Ojabo to the Ravens, similar thing. Top ten player if it weren't for the Achilles injury. Uh J- James Cook going to the Buffalo Bills. Love that pick as well. Is there any other players in the second round that I really, really liked? Really, really liked. I think Logan Hall to the Tampa Buccaneers is a nice pick. We're talking about fit. Chiefs, same thing with Sky Moore. Like the fit there. Going to the third round, anything I really, really like here. Anything I really – the quarterbacks, I think they all went to good spots where they can sit and learn from a little bit. Maybe maybe not Matt Corral. But I think Corral's good enough to where he can go in and start right away if need be. I think he's talented enough for that. I don't know if, he, if I would say now that he's more talented than Sam Darnold at this point. But he is very talented. I like Desmond the fit with Atlanta. Bigger quarterback, more mobile, very experienced, very mature. So he could play right away if need be as well if Mariota gets hurt, which seems kind of inevitable because that's just what always happens with Marcus Mariota. And Malik Willis is sitting behind a guy that doesn't get hurt in Tannehill. He's getting older. I know he didn't have a good game against the Bengals, but he's not bad. He's not a bad quarterback. He's not great. I wouldn't put him in the top 10, but he's not bad. And then you got N'Kobe Dean. Really like that pick to the Eagles at 83. Absolute steal. The Falcons getting D'Angelo Malone at 82 is awesome as well. Travis Jones to the Ravens at 76. Big guy in the interior of their defense. Run defense is one of their strengths. They straight they fixed or fixed improved even on that. They had some uh, turnover on the defensive line that definitely improved there. David Bell to Cleveland, we compared him to uh, Jarvis Landry in regards to testing times. And then he goes to the Browns and replace him. Moving on to the fourth round, Daniel Falele going to the Ravens at 110. Fails in at right tackle if need be. Massive dude. It replaces or comes in that similar mold of Zeus Brown, the original Zeus Brown. So I like that, Phil. Uh, the Browns getting Perry on Winfrey is very nice as well. I didn't even know it was Damian Pierce, the running back from Florida. I forgot to mention him. I like him going to Houston. They need a running back. They need to improve their run game. Kenyon Green certainly helps that. And getting Damian Pierce there, he could be their number one guy right away if need be. Keep going down the list. Uh, Cade York. (laughs) Gotta love kickers and punters going in the second round. Anything else in the third round that I really like? I like Romeo Dubs going to the Packers. I guess I didn't even mention him earlier. Romeo Dubs, a very fast wide receiver. Again, the Packers, they haven't drafted a receiver in the first round since 2002, and all the receivers that have been their most successful, like, i.e. Devontae, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, all later round picks, all day two guys. Uh, Romeo Dubs was a day three guy, but he's a good receiver, very nice receiver. Uh, Calvin Austin to uh, Memphis, or the geez, Calvin Austin to Pittsburgh will be very interesting to watch. You got two good wide receivers there. They have some holes in that wide receiver room, so you add some people there to help either Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky. Or even, you know, <laughs> God forbid, Mason Rudolph. So you got those guys there. Chago Conquu from Maryland going to Tennessee. I like that pick. They have a hole at tight end. He's very, very athletic. He's not the he's like six two. He's six three, two hundred and fifty pounds. So he's not like massive, but he's very athletic from the tight end spot. 
Darian Kennard going to the Chiefs at 145 is a very nice pick there, very good value pick. Cole Turner to Washington. I like. I just like Cole Turner a lot. I think that will work nicely. Tyler Allgaier to the Falcons. Very consistent running back. I like that pick. I'm trying to look at it. I'm trying to go through every – I'm trying to read all the picks, but it's hard to <laughs> – there's a lot of names mushed together here. Matt Ariza going to the Bills at 180. Bills need a punter. Matt Hawk was not it last year. That last game against the Jets was a brutal, which is why the Bills needed to dominate as much as they did against the New England Patriots in the first round of the playoffs. Keep it going down the board. Amari Barno, I didn't even notice him from Virginia Tech going to Carolina at 189. Uh, very fast, very fast edge rusher. So I like that fit there. Work well with Brian Burns coming off the edge if he does start right away. If not, nice rotational piece. Um, who else do we got here that I really like? Who else do I like here in the, se- the sixth round? Uh, Lickitus split. Lasitis Smith, sorry, Lickitus sounds cooler. Lasitis Smith going to the Cardinals at two two fifteen. They need guard help. They need tackle help. They need everything on the old line help. So yeah, you make Jane, you make Kyler Murray happy by giving him Hollywood Brown and then bringing in an offensive lineman as well. So that's an, I like those picks as well. And then the seventh round, uh, Bo Melton, nice pick from Seattle. I do like that pick as well. I guess I didn't even notice him earlier because again, all these names are mulling together. I'm trying to catch all of them. But uh, I can't catch them all. I'm trying, though. I'm really trying. Rasheed Walker going to the Packers at 249. I didn't even notice him earlier either. He's the guy that dry-humped the dude on the football field after he pancaked him. Love seeing that. Who does not love seeing that? And is that it? There's a lot. of This is just a fun draft. Very fun draft. Very defensive heavy. Again, Georgia players had 15. Georgia had 15 players drafted. 15. NFL record. 15 players drafted. That is absolutely insane before we end out today's show i want to do a quick preview because you know the draft 2022 draft has ended so it's only right that we look at the 2023 nfl draft i think it's only fair i don't know what else we can even look at here 2023 nfl draft is a must so we're going to talk about it here uh will anderson right now is the best player in the draft edge from alabama if he was available to draft this year he'd been the first pick in the draft no real doubt in my mind quarterback wise it's a two-horse race right now bryce young and cj stroud it's all dependent on what you want Bryce Young is more athletic than Stroud. I know Bryce Young didn't put up the rushing numbers that are really indicative to his athletic prowess, but the dude can move. The dude can absolutely fly. You could argue C.J. Stroud is a stronger arm, but Bryce Young is a hell of a lot more consistent in the passing game than C.J. Stroud. There was a lot of ups and downs with Stroud. After he sat out the game, I think it was against Tulsa, everything started going in an upward trajectory, but Stroud's good. We defended Stroud a lot on the show last year, so I'm, I'm really happy that he ended up coming fourth in the Heisman race. Really deserving. But that's a two-horse race right now. And I think Yurkovic from Boston College is interesting to watch. Rattler, depending on if he can keep his head on straight again at South Carolina, still a very, very weird fit there. I don't, I'm don't. i still confused about that one. Anthony Richardson from Florida is one to watch. Very excited to see what he can do as a full-time starter if Emory Jones is not there. Jaden Daniels transferred to LSU. we got Keen Slovis at Pittsburgh. JT Daniels at West Virginia. Just going over quarterbacks that have transferred. Um, Malik, Will- Malik Cunningham. It's a very interesting quarterback to watch. He led the nation for quarterbacks in rushing yards. Very, very mobile quarterback. Put up good numbers passing the ball last year. So he could be one to watch in regards to risers given to his athletic ability. Dylan Gabriel, transfer from UCF. He went to Oklahoma. We got Sam Hartman put on put up some good numbers towards the end of the season last year. Emory Jones is still there. Spencer Petras, obviously. Jeff Sims, one to watch from Georgia Tech. Haynes King 
Could be interesting from Texas A&M. He got injured last year. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. Very, very interesting. Because Tyler Van Dyke, according to his head coach, Brian Cristobal, is the best quarterback in college football. So <laughs> we'll see how he plays. But he's a very talented quarterback. I don't want to take anything away from Tyler Van Dyke and say, like, his coach is saying that and he's really bad. No, he's very, he's good. He's very good. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I really like him. Spencer Sanders, if he can get more consistent. Michael Penix from Indiana transferred to Washington, so we'll see how he does. Zach Calzada transferred from A&M, now is at Auburn. Bo Nix at Oregon. Yeah, there, there's some fun quarterbacks next year. Uh, Hudson Card, we'll see if he starts over um, Quinn Ewers once he comes in there. Yeah, there's some fun quarterbacks. If I had to make a top five quarterbacks list right now, i go Young, Stroud, it's just a preference, Younger Stroud. Stroud's bigger, has a stronger arm, but I think Young is more athletic. Young is more consistent at the quarterback position as well, so we're going to go with him over Stroud here. Number three, we're going to go with Yurkovic from Boston College. I really like Phil Yurkovic. He got hurt against UMass, I believe, last year. So he missed a lot of game time last year with a hand injury, so we'll see how he develops his, if he can get back to full force. He, he came back. I want to say like week six this past year. Week six didn't put up a ton of really nice numbers, but Boston College was in a weird phase that year. Anthony Richardson, I think, is a very fun quarterback to watch as well. If he didn't get hurt against USF where he had 100 yards passing and 100 yards rushing, he would have been the starter the rest of the year. But Emory Jones came in, put up good numbers the next few games after he got a concussion. I think it was a concussion. I think it was a head injury. And got the starting job and started keeping the starting job. So we'll see how he does. And then probably, I don't know. I'm going to put Tyler Van Dyke. I'm going to put Tyler Van Dyke. I'm going to buy Brian Cristobal's hype for Tyler Van Dyke. I think he could develop into something very nice. Played well after Derek King got hurt last year. So I'm excited to see what he does if he takes reins of that and balls out. But other players, I really like Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, Will Levis, Jaron Hall, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. We liked him a lot last year. I may put him above Tyler Van Dyke because I really like Hendon Hooker. After he came into Tennessee's offense, their offense completely transitioned to actually good. Replaced Joe Milton, and their offense with like, oh, we're not below average anymore. We could actually score points. And his best games were against those top-level competition like Alabama's and teams like that. I don't remember their exact schedule, but I remember they played Alabama. They played Ole Miss. He had really good games against them. And then Rattler, again, just depends on if he has his head on straight. Will Levis, I don't know if you mentioned him. But there's some good quarterbacks. There's some good quarterbacks. Uh, running backs, Bijan Robinson's the main guy. I mean, Bijan Robinson is a baller. Then Tank Bigsby from Auburn's going to be mentioned up there. Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, someone you can mention. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, depending on how healthy he is next year, will be someone to watch. Mentioned Jareel Brock, nice rotational back with Brees Hall last year. Jameer Gibbs, I think he's a transfer. He's at Alabama. I think he's a transfer from Georgia Tech. He'll be definitely someone to watch next year. you got to love Alabama running backs. Got to love him. Chris Rodriguez from T Kentucky, very consistent running back there. Blake Corum put up some nice numbers at Oklahoma or at Oklahoma at Michigan last year. Anybody else we really want to talk about for running backs? But it's B. John Robinson, and I probably put Jameer Gibbs at number two there. Ta or him and Tank Bigsby can rotate around. Zach Charbonnet is going to be up there as well. And Deuce Vaughn, forgot about him. He was one of the Big 12's best running backs last year. And weirdly put on Big 12's first team for Pro Football Focus, and Brees Hall was not. So that was confusing, but he's still a very nice running back. Wide receiver, it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, there's no one else to really talk about running. I mean, there's other people to talk about, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is the main guy. Jordan Addison from Pitt is a baller. I thought this might have been a dream. 
I don't know if it was real or not, but they're talking about him transferring, so we'll see if that happens. Marvin Mims is really fun from Oklahoma. Ania Smith from Texas A&M. Rakeem Jarrett from Maryland. Xavier Hutchinson, I don't, he, I, is he coming back to Iowa State? I don't remember if he is. We brought him up a few weeks ago, but I don't remember if he's coming back to Iowa State or not or if he's transferring. So he announced he's transferring, but I don't remember if he's coming back. Charlie Jones, feels like a, he just feels like a Bill Belichick guy, doesn't he? He just feels like a future Patriot. Whether he's drafted or is, <laughs> is an undrafted free agent, he just feels like a Patriot. Kayshawn Boutte from LSU, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is the number one guy. Tight ends, Michael Meyer, Mayer. He probably, at this point, he'll probably be a top 10 pick. A lot of teams really like him. They call him Baby Gronk. So he'll be fun to watch. Julio Billingsley transferred from Alabama. He is a receiving tight end to the fullest. He got in Nick Saban's doghouse. Now he's at Texas. Sam Laporta brought him up earlier. He'll be one of the top tight ends drafted in the in the, in the the draft because he's an Iowa tight end. And when they have a good tight end, they'll get drafted high. Josh Wiley from Cincinnati is a very fun tight end as well. Is there any other tight ends that will be big-time guys? Noah Gindorf, he's one to watch out as well from North Coast State. So look out for him to be just mentioned. I'm not saying he's going to be the top tight end. He might be, but look out for someone like him. But Michael Mayer, that's the number one guy, Baby Gronk. For tackles, there's not really at this point a number one guy. Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones played a lot for Ohio State last year. He played at right tackle once they moved Thayer Munford inside. So he could be – he'll – I don't know. There's not really a top, top tackle here. Robert Scott from Florida State is up there as well. Peter Skronowski, that just feels like a tackle name. It's more of a fullback tight end name, but he's playing tackle. He's from Northwestern. So maybe look out for him. Jackson Kirkland and Zion Nelson and Nick Broker are three guys that were talked about in this year's draft that didn't really perform the levels that were expected of them going into the season. They did not perform that well, so they're going into next year's draft, hopefully. But those are guys you should watch out for in regards to the tackle position. Guards, Jarrett Patterson is probably the number one guy. Jarrett Patterson has played tackle, guard, and center at Notre Dame, so he's probably someone you should look out for there. I don't know what his best position is. I think he currently plays center. I think. He's played every position on the O-line, so I really don't remember what his position is. But he's definitely I, – I shouldn't say definitely, but I think he's the number one guy in the draft right now. Cedric Van Pran or Pran from Georgia is going to be mentioned up there as well. Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas will be up there. But, yeah, I think Jarrett Patterson's probably your number one guy just because how versatile he is. But there's no real top lineman in this draft in regards to the offensive side of the ball. For defense, uh, Will McDonald from Iowa State is going to be someone Iowa State fans are all going to be watching because he's definitely someone that could break the 50-year drought of having a first-round draft pick for Iowa State. I thought that would be Brees Hall this year. It was not. Will McDonald's definitely someone to look out for in regards to that. But Brian Brian Brees and Miles Murphy from Clemson are two people. Jalen Carter, Isaiah Foskey is Isaiah Foskey is he's got to be mentioned as one of the top guys, or if not the top guy in regards to the defensive line and edge rushers for next year's draft. Zach Harrison, uh, he was someone that was to look out for in this year's draft, didn't end up going. Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, DJ Dale. From Alabama, someone you could watch out for. DJ Dale was kind of mentioned in this year's draft class as well. Same as Tyler Davis from Clemson. Jermaine Lowell from Arizona State. He's not a big dude. Jermaine Lowell, in regards to the height, he's like six foot one, so he's not a very big guy. But he's definitely someone to talk about. And then we move on to edge rusher. I'm just going through lists of different edge rushers, like trying to find players that I know and which ones that I think could stand out. Will Anderson, we already talked about him. B.J. Ojolari from LSU. Nolan Smith. I mean, it's Georgia defenders, Nolan Smith. Harry Toa Toa 
uh, linebacker, edge rusher, whatever you want to call him, he'll be up there. Probably be your number one linebacker when it's all said and done, but he's listed under the edge on this website, but he'll be probably your number one linebacker. Derek Hall from Auburn. Uh, again, Robert Beal from Georgia, just Georgia people. DeMarvin Overshone, a uh, big guy, six foot four. Not, I guess he's tall, lengthy. I guess I shouldn't say he's big. He's about 220, six four, 220. Play everywhere, though. Brenton Cox, he was mentioned in this year's draft. Again, didn't do it. Allie Gay, same thing from LSU. And now we're going to move on to linebackers. we got Noah Sewell, brother of Panay Sewell, linebacker from Oregon. Jack Campbell, a lot of people like Jack Campbell from Iowa. He's an Iowa linebacker. Can't go wrong with Iowa linebackers. I mean, you can. You can go wrong with everybody. But Iowa linebacker Jack Campbell from Cedar Falls, love him. Trenton Simpson from Clemson. Justin Flo from Oregon. Ventrell Miller, another guy we talked about as a guy that was could have gone out this past year. Justin Jacobs from Iowa, very fun linebacker there. Then, is there anybody else on here that I want to talk about? Not really. No. So we're going to go on the corners. Keely Ringo from Georgia. Eli Ricks, trained from LSU. When Eli Ricks was a freshman, similar thing to that Derek Stingley, Eli Ricks was probably the best corner in the country. Trains from Alabama. Didn't really play a lot last year at LSU with injuries. So LSU was out without two of their starting corners, or two their two starting corners for most of the season. But Eli Ricks will probably be the first corner taken. Garrett Williams from Syracuse is another one. Those two are probably your top two guys right now. Uh, Travis Hodges-Thompson from TCU is another one you can look at. Noah Daniels. Taiwan Mullen. Avery Young, very interesting guy. Tony Grimes from from North Carolina. Seven Banks. Seven Banks from Ohio. He was, I should say, was at Ohio State. Transferred to LSU. Replaces Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley. So... We'll see how he does there. Hopefully, he does better there. Storm Duck. I mean, just, just give him a round of applause. His name Storm Duck. Riley Moss, the birth, rebirth of the white corners back, I guess. Uh, da, 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 da. Anybody else on here? Al Blades Jr., just the names as well. Got to look at names here. But, yeah, I think the top two guys you're looking at are Garrett Williams from Syracuse and Eli Ricks. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. I mean, can't go wrong with kids nowadays. Malachi Moore, Brandon Joseph. Brandon Joseph transferred from a Northwestern. Brandon Joseph is your top safety next year. At this point in time, Brandon Joseph is awesome from Northwestern. Malachi Moore from Alabama. Same with Jordan Battle. Two Alabama guys. They'll be up there mentioned as well. But Jalen Catalan from Arkansas. I would probably put Brandon Joseph and Jalen Catalan as one and two in the draft class. Maybe. I might throw Jordan Battle and Malachi Moore. Malachi Moore is pushing that. I would probably rank it if I had to. Brandon Joseph, Jalen Kettle, and Malachi Moore, Jordan Battle. If I had to. But I don't have to. <laughs> if I had to. Damani Richardson from Texas A&M. B.J. Williamson from Louisiana Tech. Just go over some small school guys. Tyke Smith from Georgia. You got mentioned a little bit. Marcus Hooker there. Chris Smith from Georgia as well. Uh, da, 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 da. But that's Kenny Logan. I mean, his name's Logan, so you can't really go wrong with him. And then, yeah, I think those are the main players I want to talk about here. But if I had to go through each position again and tell you what the best player is at this point in time, each position, quarterbacks, Bryce Young, running back, B. John Robinson, wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, tight end, baby, Gronk or Michael Mayer, tackle, I don't know, Paris Johnson or Dewan Jones, one of those two from Ohio State, interior lineman, I'm going to go Jarrett Patterson, Interior D lineman, one of the Clemson guys, or Isaiah Foskey. Edge rusher, Willie Anderson. Linebacker, Henry Toa Toa, maybe. Maybe him or Trenton Simpson from Clemson. 
I don't know. Jack Campbell should be definitely mentioned up there as one of the top ones. Noah Sewell, I mean, his brother was top 10 pick. Maybe he could be a top 10 pick. Maybe. Corners, I would say Eli Ricks and Garrett Wilson, but Keely Ringo is going to be mentioned up there as well. And then safeties, probably Brandon Joseph and Jalen Catalan and then Malachi Moore. Safeties and punters, there's not really to talk about there. We don't have a Matareza coming through as the punt god. But you know what? One can dream. Maybe someone like Michael Turk could become the next punt god, but who really knows at this point. But that being said, another long-ass episode of the Logan Blackman Show. I did not plan on doing back-to-back two-hour-long episodes, but that's where we're at. That's where we're at with the show. And uh, I'm happy because I love doing two-hour shows. Two-hour shows are the best. Who doesn't? Who the hell does not love a two-hour-long Logan Blackman Show? Exactly. If you said I don't, then screw you, but I'm assuming no one said anything because there, no, there was no sound when I paused there. There was no one saying anything. So I'm, I'm cooling and booling. So, you know what? We're good. We're going to end the show here. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed the draft. Um, I'm sorry that we did not get more accurate, but I'm excited we got the first three picks right. Started off better this year than we did last year. And I would say this year's pick was a little harder to predict than last year's pick. So, we'll take that and uh, hope you enjoyed it. If not, I can only apologize, but I hope we'll get better next time. Make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is the Logan Blackman Show one, and my personal account is Blackman Logan. Instagram or YouTube and Facebook are just the Logan Blackman Show. Like the Facebook page, make sure you're following it, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Watch a few videos on there, and you're listening to it right now. So make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure to leave a rating out of five stars. Regardless if you wanted to rate an episode, if you want to rate the show in general, you can leave a rating on both of them, so I'd greatly appreciate it, but make sure you're following since you're listening to this portion right now. I guess you can add me on LinkedIn. Check out the LoganBlattmanShow.com for all the blog posts and podcast episodes, things like that. We're going to have a merch drop coming soon, so make sure you stay on the lookout for that. If you want to cop some cool Logan Blackman Show stuff, I would greatly appreciate it. Maybe not now. We're still working on some things, but in the next coming days, maybe uh, we'll see. Hopefully by Saturday. The hope is by next Saturday. I don't know if that's feasible, but that's the plan. But again, hope you enjoyed the show. I certainly enjoyed this one. Two long-ass episodes back-to-back, two and a half hours, and then two hours in about ten minutes. So that's good to know. We're, 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 we're getting back in the swing of things. Draft is awesome. Love it every single year. Wait till next year's draft. And yeah, I will see you all later. Peace.